Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, and then for the main, we've obviously we've got Black Widow, we've got Loki season one, and then uh, if we want to talk yeah. about Rick and Morty, we can. Yeah, yeah, Rick and Loki, you mean. Rick and Loki, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the Rick and Loki podcast. Welcome to the Rick and Loki podcast. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast Season 4, Episode 4, also known as Episode 88. Um, my name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulan in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there! And I'm also joined by Hama Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Actually, you got to do one thing real quick. Did you just call him Hama? Hama. Hama Lopez. Hama. It's, it's actually, it's not, it's not Jaime, it's Jaime. Hame. Hame. Right? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It, it, if you if you want to be a stickler, it's it's a flat. It's not a rising or descending tone at the end. It's, yeah. it's flat. No, don't put the emphasis on their syllable. We acknowledge again, once again, we acknowledge that we are the lands we are sitting on, where we are recording at the moment, are situated on the greater Toronto area, land of the Mississauga of the Credit, the Ashinawabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Huron-Wendat peoples. But we're just doing our land acknowledgement stuff these days, because out of due respect. Uh, we'll start with fact check, I guess, right? Yeah. Let's do that. What do you say? All right. So um, U.S. Senator George Hearst was the father of William Randolph Hearst. He's the guy that was portrayed in the movie Mank that I tried to remember uh, last week or last time we were on. And uh, that was uh, the basis of the uh, story uh, Mank was writing at the time was Citizen Kane. So he based his Citizen Kane on William Randolph Hearst. And Tess, played by Paris Booth, is the daughter of Texan 
Austin Powers booth. Tess was not the woman that I thought was on, uh, on um, what's that called again? Deadwood? Deadwood, yeah. Uh, yeah. Paula Malcolmson, who's actually Irish, uh, is the one I thought was the daughter of. But no, Tess was one of the um, one of the uh, ladies of the of ill repute, let's just say. Mm. Keep this on television. And then also Fiona Dorf uh, played in one of the Chesame women of ill repute, uh, is the daughter of Brad Dorf, who plays the doctor friend of mine, Rick Sarabia's favorite actor of all time. And uh, also, I always get this wrong. I don't know. I used to have this mental block. I used to think Sam Shepard and Sam Elliott were the same person. Just one with a beard, one with, or one with a mustache and one without. But it turns <laughs> out that Sam Elliott is, in fact, the narrator of The Big Lebowski and not Sham, Sam Shepard. Rest in peace. That's the fact check. Any fact checks for you guys? No? No, Did I just you? changed the, the note to say Lebowski, not Lebowski. So, oh, Lebowski? I, I don't, I don't yeah. speak French but maybe it's of no, Bowski no, 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 or no, Lebowski. No, Lebowski. No. <laughs> Lebowski. 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 It's the dude. The dude, man. It really pulls the room together. That's yeah, right. like your opinion, man. <laughs> All right. Now we can move on. Uh, yeah, where Jonathan's up with some headlines. Headlines. All right. Well, you know, I know we're all eager to, uh, we're going to have a nice chat today about Black Widow. We're going to have a nice chat about Loki, maybe a little Rick and Morty in there. We're going to talk about some good stuff, but I thought we'd kick off our podcast with some Star Trek stuff since we're a Trek podcast and we've got some good stuff over the last little bit. So, uh, so we're going to dig in. Uh, we got a trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 2 with the return of Q prominently featured. And it's... I, um, I have a question about that, though. Yeah, it's a little head-scratchy. So uh, so what did you guys make well, of this trailer? Well, my first question is, why does Q age? Well, I think he's he's probably trying to keep pace with uh, with Picard. They could have, I'm sure, CGI'd uh, uh, the actor to, to make him look younger, but... Instead, they decided to let him sort of embrace it. Yeah, John Delancey, great John guy Delancey, yes, all, all around. But the um, the first trailer where Picard's going on, or John, or Patrick Stewart's going on about time, is that the one where, he, where Q comes at the end and says the trial never ended? That was the little teaser that they put out. Yeah. And then they put out this, this second one that you actually see him and, you know, he... He's in the flesh with his gray hair. And, right, yeah. And then we get a little bit more of a glimpse of clearly something timey-wimey has happened because uh, uh, Annika Hansen no longer is seven of nine. And, right, right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's different uniforms and different uh, insignias for theoretically Starfleet. Loki's been at it again, in other words, right? Yeah, really. Like when, right, you, when right. the multiverse comes a, comes a knock and apparently it takes out all, all comers. What uh, what did you guys make of this? I don't know if there's enough there to really sink your teeth into. It certainly wet my appetite. I want to see what happens, but I don't know if there's a lot to really understand about what happened there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think. Again, I'm you know me. I, don't, I never used to read the back of the videos on when I went to rent videos because I didn't like to be spoiled. But um, I don't know. I, I think I just just knowing that Q is going to be somehow involved in the story. In fact, I almost didn't want them to tell us that Q was going to be, or you know, just just leave it and just have him be like a complete surprise, like Harry Mudd was in in uh, Discovery, right? So um, mm-hmm. they should have just left that on the left that for a surprise, right? I don't know. It's good. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's not till like 2022 though, right? Yeah, that's all it says. You know, timeline as far as sort of what we can expect. I I know we're going to get Lower Decks Season 2 starting in August. I think we're going to segue from that into Discovery Season 4. And then, yeah, that would put us in early 2022 for a card Season 2. 
I'm pretty sure we talked about Lower Decks just after the introductions there, by the way. Mm. That's not wink, wink. Mm. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mr. Uh, Mr. Star Trek there, we've got another we little interesting... 404 is what we got, though. Oh, is it not, not coming up? The Gizmodo they, they changed the URL. I had to search for Gizmodo. Oh, did you fix it? Oh. I, I did not fix it because I accidentally closed the tab. Let me hit my history. I thought maybe Apple sued them or something. Or the good, the good folks at uh, them and their CBS for... Viacom. Yeah. I guess, take maybe. that down. You're not allowed to talk about our new Star Trek movie? Could be, could be. Well, either way. We can talk about it. We can talk about it. They can't stop us. They can't stop the signal. Oh, I think there's just a trailing slash or something that's messing it up. Oh, I see. The, it, yeah, there's a back Otherwise, it looks the same yeah. as what I just posted. Mm. Okay, carry on. All right. Well, we've got a new Star Trek movie that has actually been greenlit, which is pretty cool. Uh, this is going to be, well, who knows what this is going to be because it they've announced the movie, but they haven't really announced what's going to be in it. So we are going to get, uh, we got the information this week that's going to be directed by Matt Shackman, who is the director of all the episodes of WandaVision. And I think we can all agree he did an excellent job with that. He's been tapped to be the director of this new Star Trek film. And apparently it's happening, but they haven't clarified who's going to be in it, when it's going to be set, or we anything to about have it. Any Star Trek movies anymore? Well, there's been all these. You know, we've talked about it on this pod before. There's there's been all these rumors about which way they're going to go. There was talk that they were going to do one that involved Quentin Tarantino potentially working on it. They were talking about one that was going to be, uh, you know, a continuation of the sort of J.J. Abrams reboot. There was some discussion that. Um, Oh, Noah Hawley from uh, Legion was going to do uh, a Star Trek fl- film. And it doesn't seem clear if this is any of those. And beyond that, it's, it's unclear completely whether or not Chris Pine and, and Zachary Quinto and all that cast are going to come back and do this again. So it's great news that we're getting another Star Trek flick because, you maybe know. They're going to bring Tuvix back. Yeah, yes, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Tuvix, the next generation, yeah. Maybe they're going to go a completely different direction and, and do a different time or or something else but yeah it's it's interesting that they've they've announced this it's it's coming uh, a deadline.com uh, broke this a couple of days ago and yeah it just doesn't it, it's completely unclear as to where they're going to go with this so i'm 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 excited i thought Matt, Shack, Matt Shackman did an excellent job with one division it's a beautiful looking tv show and we know that he can handle some complex storytelling because that was a pretty complex storytelling and that he d- does get you know really great performances from his, his actors because that show was also extremely well acted yeah i think those all bode well for what we're doing next it's just what is it the most important question i have though is it is an odd number or an even number movie Ooh, that's a good question so we got 10 of the uh original plus next generation and now we've had three of the jj abrams so this would be 14 technically mm, that holds promise for it then i guess <laughs> Uh, you're basing it all on that. That was the that was the, the yeah, tip for mm-hmm. you. Yep. yep. <laughs> Set the uh, the Las Vegas betting line based on that even uh, number odds. Yep. That yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Uh, well, then I guess this is a, a perfect segue into uh, uh, the fact that we are going to get a 4K Star Trek. The motion picture uh, is going to boldly go into 4K. They to are which going I can back. Only say, my God, man, why? <laughs> Do you think that was the problem? Do you think it, so far, if we just haven't been watching it in 4K, like yeah, we need that I, you know ten minute masturbatory exposition of the Enterprise at the beginning in 4K, that'll fix it. 
Well, our listeners at home will know that I recently, like I guess six months ago, bought the entire package of, of uh, Star Trek movies that were available on iTunes when they were on sale, right? I don't forget how many I got, but I think it was all the, the Captain Kirk, um, Leonard Nimoy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually sat and watched the motion picture again, probably for like the third or fourth time in my entire life. Um, I am so done with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it is just vile. <laughs> you know i mean like like you know it, you know i mean the phantom menace is an amazing movie compared to the motion picture after waiting so many years for you know a franchise story to be told in such a way right like it was just um yeah just inconceivably bad you know? and, and now it's in 4k I mean, now it's in 4K. Yeah, so they're doing a complete restoration. Which I'll uh, never watch, by the way. And apparently they're going to uh, they're going to do a six to eight month re- restoration, and they are going to debut it exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Well, then I won't see it for sure. That's good. Yeah. Are we going to have Paramount+, what, Plus here in Canada? Well, we do by proxy, because a lot of that stuff ends up on our crave here in Canada. The question oh, okay. is, will this? But uh, the question also is, do we want it to? No. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, are people going to pay to watch this? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, What's your opinion, Jaime? We we basically fried, fricasseed this one. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have it in 4K than not 4K. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that, you know. Um, full full restoration, like, uh, I, I'd like to see this stuff done for just about everything that's out there. You know, there's the, the fan stuff we mentioned for Deep Space Nine. So the money uh, they spent on it, this, yeah, this money they spent on making this movie into 4K, should that not have gone into Deep Space or um, Voyager? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like with the the recurring revenue and the uh, stream from Paramount Plus, it should be easier to finance stuff like this. Of like, all right, you know, we're going to get people excited, come check it out, see it the way you've never seen it, and then it's good for... Why don't they just make it into a 3D movie or IMAX or something? And, I mean, heck, you might as well. As your well, eyes would like... bleed in even more high def, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you can fall asleep to the, you know, really, really Wait, am I not being clear about my opinion of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've got a sense of how you feel about it. All right, good. All right, let's move on to some more positive stuff. It's we... so bad. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> like there's like 20 minutes of them going into the into the, the the anomaly whatever 20 minutes yeah i mean it's not like you can even drop acid and enjoy it it's like horrible you know yeah it's longer yeah. than most acid trips yeah <laughs> yep uh and, but and the visual effects aren't nearly as good that is true all right on to good news so the emmy award nominations were announced this week and it was a huge huge victory for genre material uh we got a ton of nominations for some of our favorite fare from this past year. Things like WandaVision, things like The Mandalorian, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, The Boys. We got a lot of really good uh, reaction to this material. So, you know, WandaVision's up for Best Limited Series. Uh, the uh, Mandalorian is up for Best Drama, which is a huge deal. Wow. Uh, the Boys is up for Best Drama. Wow. Uh, you know, some huge stuff in here. So, you know, Outstanding Drama Series, The Boys and Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, which is also part of our, our milieu, uh, Handmaid's Tale is also in there, and it's up against sort of more traditional stuff, Bridgerton, The Crown, uh, Pose, which I have never seen, and This Is Us. Um, I'm not sure how they, how they uh, you know, some of, the, some of these categories are a little off. 
the Outstanding Limited Series section is just a murderer's row this year because it's uh, one division is up against the Queen's Gambit, which was amazing. Mayor of Easttown, which everybody yeah, loves. Yeah. Uh, Underground Railroad. I May Destroy You, which again is a critical darling. Um, so that's a huge, huge category. And then, yeah, nominations galore here. So uh, Jonathan Majors got nominated for Lovecraft Country for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama. We'll be talking more about Jonathan Majors a little bit later in this podcast. Um, we've got uh, Journey Smollett, also from Lovecraft Country, as lead actress. We've got uh, um, Giancarlo Esposito as supporting actor in a drama for The Mandalorian. We've got, uh, let's see, oh my goodness, there's so many. And then, you know, again, this is just sort of the superficial stuff that you, by the time you get into, or this is all the, the heavy stuff, you get into the smaller stuff. Okay, Paul Bettany for Division for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited right. Series. Uh, we've got Elizabeth Olsen for One Division for lead actor, uh, lead actress, supporting actress Catherine Hahn. Of course, yeah, we'd be yeah. disappointed if she she didn't get nominated there. Um, outstanding guest actor, no, yeah, guest actor Timothy Oliphant for The Mandalorian, Carl Weathers for The Mandalorian, Don Cheadle for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Courtney B. Vance for Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah, they, so this is, you know, this is a huge year for for these types of shows. And of course, you know, the show that we're going to talk about a little bit later in Loki didn't qualify because it didn't didn't make it under the under the uh, time for submission. But it's a pretty impressive list. The Mandalorian actually finished tied with the crown for the most nominations. Now, again, some of those are obviously technical Emmys for visual effects, music, you know, a lot of makeup, all kinds of other things. Uh, but still really, really impressive amount of things. Um, you know, WandaVision got 23. Mandalorian got 24 nominations. Uh, Disney Plus got 50 nominations this year. Wow. Mm. And that's, you know, that's their way of saying we're not just here for like your money we're here to to win and that's pretty big right yeah 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 like looking at this this list here i'm like i see a snub for uh outstanding host for a reality or reality competition program so i'm looking at this list and it's a fine list but you know who it's missing canada's own will arnett host of lego masters <laughs> lego <laughs> masters yeah, absolutely like oh speaking know. of which speaking of which just on a side note here i started i started listening to a podcast yesterday actually I discovered Again, it was, I think, a Facebook event coming up. Um, Will Arnett um, and uh, Justin Bateman and, um, oh, the other guy from uh, Sean Hayes. Oh, yeah, they have a podcast. podcast. Yeah. It's an, it's hilarious. They're, they're, they make us look like fools, right? Because it's like, the like, of course, you know, Justin Bateman and, and Will Arnett have this Jason, sort of brother Jason, thing. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Sorry, yeah. Jason Bateman has this, this, uh, this they have this sort of brotherly sort of fellow actor kind of vibe going and and uh, you know um will arnett with the with the the jibes jabs every now and then is just hilarious right so yeah, i definitely recommend that podcast and, yeah, and they're, they're, they're coming, coming to perform it live here in toronto yeah, this year. yeah. that's what i was that's what what sort of clued me in and because I, I like those three actors but the three of them in the same room at the same time is it's hilarious yeah yeah toronto's own will arnett gotta throw that in there that's true, yeah. Sorry. I, but I, I do want to say that one thing, though. As you mentioned, the nom- nominations like um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I mean, it's like, he. Uh, why? He's Gus Fring with a blaster, you know? Well, the, then... the one that's really stupefying is Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is in Falcon and the Winter Soldier for like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was <laughs> dumb. Yeah, there, I mean, there are, there are some obvious ones that are just like, no, I don't think so. I mean, and the crown's going to, the crown versus the crown versus Mandalorian, you said, I think? Crown's right? 
right. going to win a lot of these. Yeah, I mean, well, because it's great. It's a great show. But I mean, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the whole. I'm surprised this many sci-fi, you know, pieces are nominated at this kind of level. But I guess that's that's the thing. I'm sure you know um, what's his name, the director who doesn't like Marvel movies, um, the Godfather guy. Was it Godfather. Scorsese? Scorsese. Yeah, he's mm. going to be. You know, he's going to be super angry if any of these win. But you know, oh, but I, I mean, it's not I think real drama. It, it, for me, this feels like validation from a, oh, yeah, yeah, a different sure. type of community that this isn't just pap. It's not like, you know, just children's programming that some adults like. It's saying, like, this is some legitimately good quality television with some outstanding performances. It's just something we, we've known. But I think for a larger audience who looks at this says, like, maybe this changes some minds and people are like, oh, this is like legit good quality programming not just uh what's what's the um what did uh what did they call it for games and game of thrones uh boobs and dragons you know like it's it's <laughs> right, it's right. actually there's some some real substance to this material well, Again, back in the day they used to call it pulp fiction right i mean or, for sure or pulp, pulp yeah pulp, yeah because it was like you know heinlein and asimov and arthur c Corp just banging out these stories and ray bradbury and all that kind of stuff right but yeah but we all know from having read them and followed the arc so they're amazing stories right mm-hmm. and as you with your your you and your graphic novels, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, that's another thing that that obviously the, these stories, you know, I mean, they they do become repetitive in some senses. I mean, like we'll talk about Loki in a bit, but um, you know, like I, I the the, yeah, the ending was, I'm sorry, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, you know, like the, the the fact that you know these these stories actually do sort of compete with your Dickens and your you know your your heavy duty drama stories, right? Like like yeah. good good fiction. The I mean, one that I was a little disappointed by, they, you know, they, they did touch a lot of bases that I that I was happy to see. The one that I was a little disappointed was that they didn't recognize uh, Anthony Mackie for his performance in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I thought he was mm-hmm. really, really quite captivating at times. I did, especially having now watched three different um, Marvel television shows on Disney Plus. Um, it was a little heavy handed, obviously, in what it was trying to do. But I thought he was he was really quite good in that. And I'm a little disappointed he didn't get a little more acknowledgement, especially when they took the time to acknowledge Don Cheadle's I was there for two minutes, gave a little pep talk and was never seen again moment, too. So it, it's that was the only one that really sort of stood out to me as a as a bit of a snub beyond okay. Will Arnett. Right. Cool. All right. Well, this shout out goes to Gordon, his Castle Grayskull story from childhood. <laughs> yes. What were you having? <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say Canada's own Kevin Smith, but no, he's actually um, no, no. from New, America. New Jersey. New Jersey. So, yeah, yeah we get to claim that one. Um, he's I just an honorary most... Canadian. He loves us. Yeah, I just he's got so many like appearances in Canadian things that I just mm-hmm. sort of and you know comedians tend to be Canadian anyways in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your like, your greatest we're, export we're to us apparently. Adam Softwood Lumber, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so he's apparently showrunner for the new uh, Masters of the Universe um, continuation or reboot. They they say reboot on this link. I'm a little yeah, unclear. It's, it's not. It's actually meant to come right after the original animated series. It's sort of yeah. it's supposed to continue the story. That's what I was feeling. I felt like it was yeah. not a not a reboot you know properly is it gonna be in the same style no it's it's much more manga-esque or anime-esque 
Sorry, yeah. I mean, we're stepping all over your story here. No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm just excited because especially because it's coming up soon. This isn't a, oh, 2022. This is uh, next week. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time you get this recording, uh, start looking in your Netflix because uh, pretty soon you're going to have it go from your uh, your your watch list to, or no, what do they call it? Your, your wait list or whatever it is they put for the you know coming soon stuff into. No, it's actually in your watch list. So uh, it mm-hmm. has uh, Mark Hamill as uh, as Skeletor, if I, uh, if I caught correctly mm-hmm. from watching the trailer. It seems like these folks absolutely loved the the 1980s cartoon and the the goofy toy line that went with it so i'm, I'm excited to see this um, yeah and they've got a killer cast like as you say mark hamill is, is skeletor chris wood who was on supergirl uh is he-man uh sarah michelle geller is tila lena hetty from game of thrones is evil lynn uh alicia silverstone is one of the st- uh, one of the voices kevin conroy who's for me the voice of batman is is one of the voices it's it's a real it's a real substantive thing like they didn't mess around with this and yeah Kevin is the sh- is the showrunner and he's also written episodes he brought in Mark Bernardin who was one of his po- podcast partners and also a very talented writer in his own right uh, comic writer and he is also writing episodes like they really you know went after this they're not they're not doing the you know oh we're just kicking it out making a new thing and just putting a putting a brand name on it they really brought in some very talented people to work on it yeah I mean. Some of the designs, so for you kiddos who weren't around, let me let me and, and we'll have the link in the show notes for those of you transporting at home. So the second to last image in this article is of Moss Man. Yeah. And and let me tell you that uh, had we not already selected Kraken for the hockey team, <laughs> the Moss Man here seems like a really cool mascot idea. And let me also direct you to the Googles. Go look up the 1980s Moss Man toy, which was basically just like a a, a vaguely furry beflock looking character that uh, you know the gimmick was he smelled you know Mossy? like a pine tree <laughs> or, or like the like the little the, the ones you would put on your 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 car dashboard sort of thing oh yeah the plastic actually had a scent to it you mean it had a scent to it yeah well, no, it was, it was wow. almost like velvet or velour or something it was like it was fuzzy it was actually like had a texture yeah mm. and and he had a, a scent just kind of the opposite of stink or the <laughs> yes the, the skunk um, character yes. the skunk one that that smelled uh, weird and awful so i'm really excited to see how even a very on paper goofy character like the moss man <laughs> looks like an incredible character design for this uh this show yeah the action figure for this one this i'll throw this one for tim jaime you you probably won't get this reference but he he looks like a green version of Andre the Giant as Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man. Right, I'm looking at him now on the on the Googles. <laughs> wow, that's the thing. Yeah, I must admit, I'm 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 not uh, not always sold on uh, manga esque takes on sort of more traditional animation styles. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But this looks really slick. Cool. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I was looking forward to it. So I won't. Well, Jaime and I will talk about it on the next episode. Sure. Okay. Carry on, Jaime. You're up next. Yeah, uh, so HBO Max is getting new animated Batman and Superman shows. So Batman, the Caped Crusader, which the uh, the art style looks very 1940s-esque Batman uh, from design. It, mm-hmm. it claims to be a, a darker tone, which would kind of make sense because Batman used to be like pretty psychotic in those early ones. <laughs> Let me tell you, kiddos, go look at the, the comics. And as noted in this article, the polar opposite of that is the uh, not teens, but certainly uh, uh, youngins of uh 
Superman as he and as Clark Kent and Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen begin their uh, their journalistic careers. So it's kind of more like mm. the uh, the tweens version of of the Superman story, and it, it looks in contrast to the Batman Cape Crusader that's very dark and moody. This seems very cheerful and poppy. Yeah, so excited to see. I, I, I have like the um, the DC animated stuff a lot, so excited to see a new show. And all this stuff is destined for HBO Max. That's what it says here. So I don't really know what that means for you all. Um, do, do you have Max? I don't think it's in that region. No, but Max stuff tends up here to a lot of it ends up on Crave again because there's a yeah. partnership between HBO and uh, and Bell here, which owns Crave. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we'll we will get that material because uh, we've been getting it a little inconsistently. Some of the particularly the, um, the the TV stuff has been a little bit scattershot. It's some on this channel, some on that channel. So I'm hoping that they keep the HBO Max stuff on HBO Max in and Crave here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of Superman, I think we skipped over Richard Donner, right? Oh, we did. Yes, we did. Well, yeah, that one hurt. Uh, Richard Donner passed away last week, uh, age of 91. Uh, of course, very famously directed the first two Superman motion pictures uh, from the late 1970s, early 1980s. And, uh, and you know, sort of very famously sort of did them all at once and had this huge grand vision that, you know, was very expensive and ran into issues with the studio. Um, there are, of course, now the Donner cuts of those movies, and, uh, and and they're widely regarded as as still you know classics in their own right. Um, you know, you will believe a man can fly, and he really did. Right. Like it yeah. really so was. Was that, was that Richard Donner's work, the, the fly by wire stuff that they did? Yeah, there, or? yeah. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, he was the one who really brought Superman to a real place where he was. You know, he was an actual flying character up until then. Outside of cartoons, it was always you know he just sort of jump into the room, and it was a little jump out of the window. And then you'd, you'd see him lying on a table that was clearly photoshopped out. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really kind of hacky and, and cheesy. Where in this one, like, yeah, it, it worked worked on me. I was a little kid when it came out, and I was all in on the, on the Superman picture. So a big part I of remember, my childhood. I remember them talking about how, like, I remember at the time they were showing how they they achieved the effect and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, I remember watching all those behind the scenes specials of how they how they did it, and a lot of that stuff they sort of carried forward into other things for the for the next you know ten years. He was a real pioneer of of that kind kind of filmmaking uh, of course, beyond Superman, which was, of course, hugely influential, he also uh, was the director of The Goonies. He was also uh, Lethal Weapon, all Lethal Weapon movies. All four of them? Yeah, I think so. Really? And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was this guy was a powerhouse. He, uh, he actually did go back about, geez, 10 or 11 years ago and did some comics writing along with Jeff Johns, mm. who uh, was actually his uh, assistant, I believe, for a while. Jeff Johns now, of course, executive producer and high up. Uh, uh, muckety muck at Warner Brothers. Um, yeah, he was he was huge. And again, he you want to go backwards with him? Here we go. The Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, Gilligan's Island, Perry Mason, The Wild Wild West. Like he was doing like classic TV shows. And then of course he did his first sort of breakthrough as a director in films was The Omen, which is again a classic right, yeah. horror mm-hmm. flick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the Superman movies, and then yes, carrying forward. You know, how about this? Uh, Lady Hawk again, a good genre movie. Scrooged, a classic Christmas movie. 
Um, and yeah, he, he was, you know, uh, also a huge producer in his later years alongside his wife, uh, who's Lauren Schuler Donner. Uh, they were the producers of the X-Men movies, uh, the, all the Free Willy movies. You know, this this is a huge titan in, in Hollywood. So his loss is uh, is a severe one. But uh, but man, what a legacy he left behind. This is incredible, incredible stuff. Speaking of legacies, we have Amazon and that company they bought. Yeah, this this was a good one. This happened not long after our last recording. So uh, so bear with us. But Amazon decided to uh, throw in on the acquisition game. Uh, we, we love talking about the uh, the streaming services and their their master plans. Amazon bought MGM Studios for eight point four five billion dollars US, and that got them uh, you know a whole lot of stuff that they can put onto the Amazon Prime content pile. And it also gets them back into the game with companies like Netflix that are producing movies for movie theaters now, because they're also going to be able to put out movies like the new James Bond movie uh, is is theirs now. If they want, they could put it straight onto Amazon Prime or they can put it, uh, you know, out in theaters for a while and then exclusively available for for watching after that on Amazon Prime. So this is a big acquisition. Uh, 4,000 movies in their catalog, 17,000 TV shows, and it really just gooses up that that uh, the content library for Amazon Prime in a huge way. Um, as far as franchises of note, of course, we talked about James Bond. All of those movies are part of this. Rocky, uh, the all the Pink Panther movies. Uh, there's there's a lot of content in there. Um, you know, there's a list here. So you know, Basic Instinct, Legally Blonde. So these are all things they can now license too. They can make more of uh, Silence of the Lambs, Stargate, RoboCop, Tomb Raider, uh, Thomas Crown Affair, and on on the TV side, Handmaid Ta- Handmaid's Tale, Fargo, Vikings. So there's a lot of content there that they can not only have and publish, but then they can also they have the rights to them, too. So they can make more of these things, too. So this this could be a really interesting one as far as as what it opens up for Amazon Prime as a player in the in the streaming wars. Jaime, I know you love streaming stories. <laughs> what do you think? I think uh, I think it's the right move. It's a move that I I think would have made um, a little bit more sense for Apple as it tries to really, really uh, launch Apple TV Plus into something you, you pay for on a regular basis. It does make sense for Amazon, sure, because they do have their own originals and stuff. They just seem to focus on it less. I think they're perfectly fine to to sell you your uh, your copy, you know, uh, be it Blu-ray or DVD or streaming. Like they, they seem to be totally fine with that. So uh, I think it's a good move to build out that area. It seems to give a hint of where they're trying to go with this, that they're emphasizing it more um, on that recurring revenue side. So I, I think it's a solid move. Yeah, I think it's a real solid move. Well, like I say, I think I think in, in my mind, this puts them it, I, I don't think they're quite there with obviously Disney's acquisition of Fox was a massive one. Um, I do think that there's some more moves to be made out there in the marketplace. But, you know, we're seeing more and more of these, you know, sort of classic libraries of material. That's what it really comes down to is IP, right? It's these things you can make more of and then also sell products off of the existing things that are really they're real, real, you know, nice, nice things to add to the catalog. And 
this is a good one for them. Again, it doesn't I don't think compares doesn't compare to Disney's acquisition of Fox, but then it does make you sort of look sideways at some of the other studios that are out there now and think like how long before somebody ponies up a couple extra bucks and, you know, is it time for Apple to buy Sony? Is it, you know, like where do these things go from here when you see this game unfolding the way it is? You know, what's the next domino to fall? Yeah, that's it's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, I I do think the consolidation will occur. I mean, we talked about collecting every kind of... Uh, gotta catch them all. Yeah, gotta catch them all Pokemon style for all the streaming services. That's That can't last forever. Nobody's going to pay $5 a month for, you know, random streaming service out there. But put it together with something else, the way that Disney has with Disney+. Plus. Uh, put it together with other things the way that, um, you know, let's say like Netflix does uh, or HBO Max. And, and it can work, I think. Yeah. So I, I think we'll see, I don't know, five top tier and then seven is really like the realistic number. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see there being hundreds of streaming services in the, in the decade to come. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We also, a little while back, got the first trailer drop for The Eternals. And The Eternals is a bit of an obscure Marvel title. I got to admit, I've read a couple of... Eternals books over the years. Neil Gaiman, famously of The Sandman, uh, did a limited series that was quite good that I enjoyed. But it's a little bit, you know, of a of a, of a uh, sort of deep dive into the comics canon to get to the Eternals. So it's an unusual choice. Now that being said, we said the same thing when it was Guardians of the Galaxy. We said the same thing when it was <laughs> was yeah. Ant Man. You know, there, uh, there's all these things where they're like, "Are they going to do that? Really?" Yeah, we and, said the same thing when Apple came out with a phone too. Sure. Like, I mean, some of these things you're just you're like, oh, "They're going to do that? That's that's going to be a thing? Okay, well, maybe it'll work." I'm sure it'll work because that, you know, they, they just so far, you know, you just every time you're betting on them to fall on their faces. And so far they are still upright. So it's a thing. The trailer is uh, very epic looking. It's it's it looks beautiful. Uh, the director is Chloe Zhao, who, of course, won the Oscar for Best Director for Nomadland this year. And some familiar faces in there Angelina Jolie Kit Harrington, Richard Madden uh, Richard Madden also from Game of Thrones uh, Gemma Chan's in there uh, Sama Hayek's in there Kumal Nanjiani's in there um, and it it is a teaser. It's not a, it's not a, you know, like, I don't think we have a really good clarity on what's going to happen there, but it's, it's definitely an interesting looking picture. Uh, what did you guys make of this trailer? I mean, it looks good. I mean, like from like, I think what I said at the beginning was that Marvel does know how to put on a good, a good trailer, at least, you know, um, like, you know, we're going to talk about Black Widow in a little bit too. And, and again, that trailer was really interesting, but you know, um, they don't seem to drop the ball much when it comes to movies. Movies, right? No, you know, yeah. and it does look different. I, I and again, I think we'll talk it about was this. Green Lantern was Green Lantern was DC, right? It was, yeah. Okay, okay. We did talk about this, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get into Black Widow. I like the MCU shows that they're showing on Disney Plus, but yeah. you can tell that this is a movie. It looks yeah. better. It looks bigger. It looks like they spent a little more, even in the trailer. Just in time for the theaters to reopen too, right? You know? Well, yeah, this one's not coming till mm-hmm. November. So, um, yeah, November 5th is when it's supposed to be released. 
So we've got a little bit of time. Hopefully uh, we'll, we'll be able to enjoy that one with a, a bucket of popcorn back in a theater again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what'd you make of Eternals? Yeah, I, I was going to say that it does look like a very different kind of film. It's got a, a different feel to it, which I think is great because Marvel's given directors room to do that. Um, uh, it, it certainly is very different feel from, say, Thor Ragnarok, uh, different from, you know, The Winter Soldier. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for that. And I'm sure the marketing folks were very very excited to put from you know academy award-winning director chloe Zhao, right so um, oh yeah it looks good uh people were wondering like okay so the eternals only get involved when it's like big deal stuff and they didn't deem it worth their time to deal with the thanos situation so so what is it that's causing them to to intervene in world affairs for this thing is is kind of an exciting thing to tease us with so arguably this is follow-up it says here yeah, we did talk about Moon Knight, and I think Oscar Isaac was rumored at the time mm-hmm. to to be in Disney Plus's uh, Moon Knight series. It has subsequently been confirmed that he will, in fact, star as uh, as Moon Knight. Cool. Yeah, so so more more Disney Plus stuff coming in the future with more you know pretty reasonably well known people. Yeah. Cool. Um, so my link here, a real quick one, is is we talked about Star Trek Prodigy. This is a Star Trek podcast after all, and uh, we Kate Mulgrew is uh, coming back, obviously. Obviously, as as um, Captain Catherine Janeway, but so you know, and because it's like usually you don't get to see the people who are going to be voicing the characters. They introduce them here in this article. Um, people who are going to be playing the uh, the various characters in the show, right? So, and Jason Menazukas, he he gets around. He's in a lot of shows, right? <laughs> He's awesome. Like, He's awesome in everything he does too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Jason Menazukas as Rex Explode in. Oh. in Invincible. It was just incredible. Yeah, and he, again, big mouth, and he's in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's like he's he's yeah. everywhere, and he's awesome in everything. Good place. Yeah. He was so funny. Is he in Canadian? Good place. I don't think so. No, I think he's American. Okay, because he's in a lot of Canadian shows. Because you know he was in oh that one with Massachusetts the girl says here. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, what do you know? Yep. So that's that said. Check your check the check your show notes if you want to check out who the cat what the cast looks like before we get to see the Prodigy show. When is that show coming? It, it says twenty twenty one so i oh, okay. have to assume you know this fall this winter you know maybe and is it is it 3d animated or animated like hand drawn it looks oh, no i don't know it doesn't look like lower decks right yeah okay like flat. yeah, yeah and, and they show some screenshots in the link that you provided so i had only seen the um here this this shows the the pictures the headshots of the voice actors next mm. to the character that they play and that set of character images comes from the teaser poster that they gave us that's right. it looks a little brighter a little more cheerful but when i look at the what is i assume to be uh screenshots of individual scenes i'm like oh it's kind of darker and moodier than i assumed yeah it's a bit like the uh Clone Wars kind of exactly yeah, somewhere between that and Pixar movie yeah 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 it it, it it seems less Nickelodeon than I had assumed it would be um, yeah. so interesting to, to be there yeah. oh, yeah, speaking of Bad Batch have you guys been watching Bad Batch I have been I I have not because oh, okay. I wanted to catch up so I started watching Clone Wars from the beginning I'm through the oh, first okay, four yeah. seasons so I'm mm. gonna just power straight through the rest and then into that so I'll, I'll be ready yeah, soon I think, I think I'm around 
I think I'm around season four of um, of Clone Wars as well. But yeah, I've been watching this one too. Yeah. But, uh, I have seen the episode where this these this crew is introduced in Clone Wars, right? They're, there's a they're they're doing a simulation, uh, like a battle simulation. I think it's the episode I was talking about before with the old with the old clone. For some reason, there's an, there's an aged aged clone. It went wrong. Anyway, yep. Uh, yeah. So that's that's my link. For somebody like me who's uh, an anime fan and has been awaiting for so long the final Evangelion movie of the the four part series, um, it's coming effectively for free on Amazon mm. Prime Video on August 13th. Uh, so Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 Thrice Upon a Time, take that subtitle, um, is 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 coming to the service in in over 240 countries and territories. So presumably in Canada as well. For those who are not familiar with these movies, so um, I'm gonna get his, oh yeah yeah Hideaki Anno the director has been kind of interesting. So the first movie again four part series of this this movie the rebuild series for Evangelion for the hugely popular uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion um, franchise. So the first one came out September 2007. The next one a couple of years later in June 2009. A little bit longer for the third in November of 2012. This one came out in theaters in Japan in March of 2021. Hmm. So there is quite the gap there. And you're like, what was he doing? He's like, well, let me tell you, at a minimum, he was directing the American Godzilla movie, <laughs> which oh, irritated yeah. me to no end. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> How did they let you out of the contract? <laughs> Go finish this movie. But, um, you know, he beat George R.R. R. Martin to the punch to finish out the series. So I guess I got to give him a little bit of credit. So, right. so it's like this trend be, of a decade. It says it's going to be uh, subtitled and dubbed in, in all these uh, 240 countries. Are we getting a Canadian version? Will there be a lot of A's and how's it going? And well, they say hope they don't talk at yoga hosers though. <laughs> they say optional dubbed dialogue in English, French, German, Portuguese, Spanish, Italian, and four other languages. I don't know if there's those are like the surprise languages. Yeah, bonus languages. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, dubbed in Scottish. <laughs> Scottish. I would love to see that. Yeah, or Welsh. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars Visions is is interesting. So this came out as a trailer recently for Disney Plus. These are short films, short animated films done by various directors, kind of in the style of, um, I guess, you know, Love, Sex, and Robots. No, wait, Love, Death. What's the proper Love, title? Death, Robots. Love, Death, Robots. Thank you. Uh, or, or, or the uh, Matrix. Uh, yes, I was going to go there. The, the, Animatrix? the Animatrix series. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're wildly different uh, animation styles. These short little stories based in using the, the the mythology around Star Wars, which seems interesting. So that's Ooh. cool. So there's a short look there as to what those would be. All right. And since we were just talking briefly about um, streaming services, this is an article from CNBC, you know, the name you trust, um, talks about the honeymoon is over for streaming services. And uh, they've kind of put together some numbers in terms of subscriptions, in terms of what, because uh, we've been wondering, like, who's going to win the day kind of thing. Um like who are the big who are the big winners? Um, you know, it's got NBC Universal, it's got Warner Brothers stuff, Discovery, um, and because we know it's like Netflix, and the, the, so there are actually numbers here. They've got numbers for Netflix, you know, in terms of number of paid subscribers, 280, 208 million, you know, seventy four seven point four million in the U.S. and Canada, and you can sort of extrapolate from that what what their sort of revenue is, and then the same thing with Disney Plus. Uh, you know, they claim having a hundred and three million subscribers, just a little bit less than half. Um, they also roll in the Hulu number.
numbers in ESPN plus of that. Warner Brothers, HBO Max, and HBO. Amazon Prime Video, you can or Amazon Prime, you can sort of get extrapolate as well. Uh, NBC Peacock, of course, the one they can't figure out is Apple because Apple doesn't give out any numbers, right? But sort of, you know, the top of the top are the ones we predicted, you know, Netflix, Disney, uh, HBO, um, and Amazon are sort of the, the top ones. Peacock is holding up the back end there with 42 million. Uh, CBS Viacom. It'll be interesting to see how far these kind of these shows go in terms of um, where they end up with, right? So they've got Apple down here at the bottom because they, they have no idea of, of the actual subscribers. And actually, we talked about this a little bit on, on More Than Just Code, didn't we, Hummy, about um, what's going to happen now that Apple is no longer providing, it's no longer free for people, right? Like you can get a trial. I think, is it like a three-month trial now or something like that, or one-month trial? or Yeah, so to catch people up who, who haven't followed that for um, quite a while there, a little bit more than a year because the pandemic sort of made everyone's plans different. The idea was you purchase qualified um, new Apple devices, iPhone, iPad, that sort of thing, and you get a free one-year subscription to Apple TV+. And on more than just code, we had speculated, like, oh, maybe this is because, like, look, they hardly have any shows they kind of need right, to, yeah. to build up a backlog of content um now that they do have a backlog of content uh, it kind of makes sense to trim that down to just three months to get you excited like oh you watch this thing great did you enjoy ted lasso great continue to pay us for season two when it starts now that you've caught up on season one right like i think i think that's kind of the idea for them and it makes sense yeah. as, a, as a maturation of of uh, their service yeah and they basically you know if you've got a phone on day one sort of thing uh, back in no October, November, I'm trying to remember what year that was. Twenty was it twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? I think yeah. Yeah, you, you ended up getting eighteen months because they they extended it till just I think it just ended in July or it's ending this month, right? The the trial, the free yeah. trial extended. Yeah. Yeah. just in time for Ted Lasso season two. Yeah, just in time. Yeah, yeah. Show on Apple. Interesting that this uh, that this article talks about Arpu, which is which is not the Simpsons character. Just to be really clear, that is average revenue per user um and it, it is interesting to see let's say like disney's as a, a really good example where they they stand out to me as being different than let me just double check everybody else where well i guess warner media is, is similar where disney you know you would say well you know their their average revenue per user globally is you know a mere 399 compared to netflix's uh 14 and change for us and canada it's like well yeah but remember that's not their only revenue stream they get you excited to see you know raya and the last dragon and then you buy the toys and then you take your kid to disney world and then and then so on and so forth right so like disney isn't selling toys they don't have theme parks and kind of the closest one here is maybe warner media that does have uh theme park affiliations so interesting to think about the, the difference like my point is there's not one single winning strategy right you can't just right, yeah, look at yeah. the average revenue and be like oh well there you go there's the winners like well what's the actual product and i think for disney plus yeah. it's it's not the actual product it is the thing that helps them sell the other actual products yeah right yeah we're already starting to see a little pl- uh, proliferation of that theory in the comics world where when disney 
bought Fox. They also bought the IP for all the cl- the comic books that were spun mm. out of Fox characters, including Aliens and Predator and some of those other ones. And now Marvel Comics is starting to republish some of those uh, pieces of IP, and they're starting to publish new books based on those things. So we're starting to see the sort of groundswell of those things as well. So you're right. It's, it's not just, you know, hey, we bought this thing. We're going to put it on our, you know, we're going to show an old movie. It's we're going to spawn this into 20 new ways to make money. Right. Cool. Well, we didn't talk about Peacock. They were on the list as well. But so this next story, how many centers are on Peacock? Yes and no, because it's Not incredibly confusing. So let me just read the title and then I'll explain what I think I understand. So as if it wasn't difficult enough to collect them all when it comes to streaming services and, oh, which, you know, which service has this thing? And we say, oh, well, there's some there's some cases where people are pulling back their content or I should say uh, not extending licenses. So as an example, The Office is no longer on Netflix because the contract was not extended because NBC wants to put that uh, NBC Universal wants to put that on its own Peacock service. Right. That's already kind of complicated enough because people got kind of used to the way things were. Now, what if I told you that when movies come out in theaters, they will have uh, after that a four month exclusive run on Peacock. And then this deal here is that the Universal Films will then go to Prime Video after that four months. So you'll definitely need the where can I stream service to yeah. tell you where this thing is if you don't follow this very, very closely. Or if you're like me and uh, and you're cheap, you say, oh, so it's effectively free for me on Amazon after four months. Got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just waited out for uh, Jurassic World Dominion if I wanted to stream that versus seeing it in the theaters as an example. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, this next one, actually, I think Jaime probably should have uh, introduced, but it's called What If? And it is a Marvel thing, right? Um, it's more of an animated style um, retelling of stories. It's like well, different multiverse kind of well, stuff. Yeah, you will rip into it then. I think now, now that I'm looking at this, well, why don't we circle back to what if in our conversation about Loki? Okay, all right. Because sure. I feel like that's probably where it belongs. Yeah, and I was going to say, we'll, when we get into Loki, remind me to talk about the last Avenger movie too, right? Mm. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Deadpool. So last but not least for our headlines, uh, there was a very, very funny video posted this week where as a promotion for the new Ryan Reynolds film Free Guy, which is is about a character in a video game who sort of gains uh, autonomy and starts to sort of rebel against the game uh, and looks funny, objectively funny. It looks funny and and goofy and and fine. They decided to promote it that what they should do is get Ryan Reynolds in his Deadpool costume playing Deadpool and Taika Waititi as Korg from Thor Ragnarok to sit down on a sofa and do the first Fox property Disney MCU property crossover with a four or five minute video of these two sitting on a couch talking about what they see in the trailer and it's funny it's really funny it's it's oh, it's a bit meta too because they this Taika Waititi is mentioned in the and so is Ryan Reynolds right yeah so they're talking like yes they're talking about themselves as the actors but also acknowledging that they themselves are the actors viewing themselves it's it's very very meta but very very funny and just again the the crossover we didn't know we needed and yet I'm so glad they did because it's just so so goofy it's just so unbelievably goofy watching these two uh, you know playing their characters to their utmost. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did, the, Taika Waititi, uh, did he did he direct uh, Thor Ragnarok? He did. That's oh, right. And, he, and he's directing uh, Love and Thunder, the next one too. Right. Okay. And, the, and it looks like he's in this one too. This uh, free guy. Right, honey. The uh, this looks fun in a Last Days of Fox Fire Sale kind of way. Yes. A, oh my God. What a great line. Nice bit of a ribbing of the. Oh. this situation yeah yeah anyway we'll put the show the link in the show notes please if you haven't had a chance please to see it yet make yes. make the time for that one it's well worth it yeah for sure all right well we're at the main part of our show where we turn our attention to and this time we're going to turn to our attention to three properties one we've been waiting for for i don't know how long black widow uh which we almost got to see in a theater almost, almost. so close we could, i mean we could tomorrow we could go at well, actually tonight i think 1201 we could probably go see a midnight showing of of Black Widow. Are they coming right back with the midnight showings? Uh, I don't know, but I mean, like, isn't tw- we can go get a, get a beer at a restaurant at twelve oh one tonight, right? Madness inside yeah, and everything. Yeah, inside. Yeah, with, with masks on. I don't know how you drink beer with a mask on, but that's mm, beside the point. It's filtered for your protection. Yeah, mm, true. Uh, Navy Seals. So yeah, we're going to talk about the Black Widow movie, and we're also going to talk about Loki season one now that it's wrapped up, and a little bit of Mark and Mark and Mindy. No, Mark I mean, and Mindy. Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Nanu, Morty. Nanu, Nanu. <laughs> Nanu, Nanu. Yeah, there we go. All right. So let's. Uh, so I. I uh, how about I just start with uh, Black Widow, and then we can. Um, you guys can riff on that a bit. So because I'm coming at it from, I think I'm probably the least attached to these properties. Um, I like the Black Widow character. I like Scarlett Johansson a lot, and. Um, and I also got to remember, I got to mention too, Florence Pugh is also what I saw her for the first time. I didn't realize I'd seen her before, but I saw her for the first time in that uh, movie or TV show, that uh, series, mini series that they did about Florence Pugh. Because she, she's been in a ton of things that, that I had not seen. I didn't, didn't see Lady Macbeth. I didn't see that. But uh, the show I'm thinking of is called. Where the heck is she? Yeah, she was in the Little Women remake that they did. Uh, yeah, Little Women. Um, and she was in Midsummer. Summer, which got a lot of that's I think one of the ones that really sort of propelled her too. She was uh, that horror movie. It was like a detective thing. She was like a spy girl kind of vibe. Was it the Little Drummer Girl? Little Drummer Girl. Yes, she was in Little Drummer Girl, and which was a really um, it was sort of a spy kind of yeah, you it was know, like miniseries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great in that. I mean, she she played this sort of you know um, kind of got rolled into this role, like she pulled into the into the you know how like the, the I don't know what you call it, the character when they're the protagonist when they're dragged into a into a role like in you know they have to save the world kind of thing you yeah know? yeah the the unwilling uh, yes yeah 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 she's really good in that anyway so I really liked her I, she's English obviously but I liked mm-hmm. I loved her performance as you know the as um it's it's what Natasha and oh she's Yelena Yelena Yelena, Yelena. as as mm-hmm. the younger sister of of uh, of this fake family and it, it had that sort of a real you know the Americans kind of show where mm-hmm. the the father and the mother and and of course I was surprised to see the who played the mother Rachel Weiss as, as the mother and um, she like this this fake family that you know just has to like pack up their bags and leave and the two kids are like what are we doing now the older daughter knows kind of sort of what's going on but the younger daughter doesn't she thinks this is a real family that she's living in in the states in the midwest in right and um, uh, then they have to go back and be part of become part of this uh, the um, the red room I think they call it right? yeah the spy organization and, yeah yeah and and the, the women in the red room are not treated very well 
well and and you find out as as the story progresses about about you know the the sort of horrors of the training that they had in but but they're amazing you know um killing machines kind of thing and but i really like the way this this movie blew up real good i mean it, was, it wasn't just a big popcorn movie as, as Hummy likes to watch but because mm-hmm. it had a really compelling story and of course because we know we sort of know the end game for black widow because of if, if, if you've seen the other well, lit- um, literally the end game yeah yeah literally uh but uh you know it, it sort of builds up and and i mean a lot of fantastic sort of like uh special effects and how could these human bodies possibly survive these things but a lot of good twists and turns in the story i really like i really enjoyed it it just again marvel puts on a really good show i gotta say in fact i probably enjoyed this one and and again i may get stomped on by jonathan in a minute i don't know i don't care um but yeah i enjoyed this one as much as i do the other you know the 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 rest of the avenger movies you know i thought it was a really really good movie well i'm not gonna stomp on you so how about that okay what i'm gonna say to you is this is the best not bond bond movie since since the board movies for sure it is it's essentially a bond movie with some very likable uh instead of being sort of the solo agent it's sort of the you know the the bringing the characters together and and working as a team and and there's a lot of charm you're right like you know we've already gotten really used to scarlett johansson as as the black widow and we like her and we know sort of her her demise is is coming in in sort of the the timeline loop. Well, I'll talk about the timeline stuff in a, in a few minutes, but her sort of you know connection to the past, and then going and reconnecting with her sister, and then reconnecting with her quote unquote parents, who are Rachel Weisz and David Harbor, and they're all really funny and charming and likable. David Harbour is uh, so much fun amazing. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. He's just as good as here as he is in, in Stranger Things and by far better than he was in, in Hellboy. Um, yeah. It's really, it's a very likable movie. It, it blows up really good. The action scenes are really, really well done. And it, 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 it knows its scope. It never reaches beyond. It's not, as as I was telling my wife, it never really reaches for anything that it can't attain. It's not like there's a magic glove that's going to change the universe. It's not, you know, um, you know, radioactive monsters. It's, it never really reaches beyond what it is, which is, you know, I have to go back and help these people and I want to, you know, get the bad guy. And it really does function in a really James Bond. Of course, it's, it's heightened. of course it's not realistic the floating city and everything else but but it really does sort of keep in its lane really really well and it does it incredibly effectively and and it as i say it's extremely charming i I thought this was actually a really really enjoyable movie i will now circle back to my point on the timeline which is to say where the hell was this movie four years ago yeah if they had made this movie in continuity time-wise where it's supposed to fall which is when she's Mm. on the run it would have been perfect perfect Oh, was it supposed to come out then? Or well, no, it wasn't. This is it. their way of basically saying, we messed up. We should have done this movie uh, before. Now, f- as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, this is so stupid. They should have done this movie then. Because it yeah, would have fit it, in. Because if, if you didn't know the story about Civil War and all that kind of stuff, you wouldn't know why, what what did she, what she possibly have done. She starts out as, as, an, as a, you know, suspiciously negative character with the very first scene you see her in. And in fact, I have a question. Was that the same general? Yes. Yeah, that's okay, Thunderbolt yeah. Ross. Same actor? Yeah. Same, same actor, actor. Okay. yep. Yeah, so that was a good continuity piece too. But yep. but um, I got to say before we get too deep in it, I love the 
the banter between the two sisters. Oh, especially. great. Why do you do that thing with your hair? And then she gets down in the pose with the, you know, the, the uh, almost like a yoga pose with the one hand. Yeah, down. the hero you landing. Do that thing with, you do that thing with your hair and she twists her head in a sort of really awkward way. <laughs> and then, and you're such a poser, right? And yeah. then when she lands, you know, she jumps out of the plane and she lands, she does the, the Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> you know, trademark Black Widow pose. And she goes, no, it's such a posing thing to do, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, again. There's 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 lots of little charming moments in this movie. Uh, as I say, the, I think the thing that, that really just sort of stands out is is because you know obviously what's going to befall Natasha, it loses its stakes, and that's the only sort of knock I will throw at it. Is of course you know that. Well, you know she has to survive. You know she has to survive. Point, right? Chances are, of course, there the movie really is about setting up uh, Yelena Florence Pugh's character as the new sort of. Uh, super spy in a leather cat suit kind of character. Oh, you think this is a baton being handed it's over? It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent that. Mm-hmm. Especially with the end credits scene. Absolutely. Which, so, which we'll have to talk about. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I found myself thinking like, wow, they really dropped the ball on this because this would have been a really, really great film to have had come after Civil War and really sort of hammer home that sort of isolation she's feeling. And it would have set things up for the the last two Avengers movies really well where, you know, you know that she was on the run and she'd had this sort of cathartic moment with her family. And it would have made that her moment of her passing, which was already kind of agonizing for longtime Marvel fans hard, it would have made it even that much more uh, impactful. But then I started thinking about it and thought, you know what, though? Marvel's playing such a long game here. Nobody in 10 years is going to care. They're not going to watch them in the order they came out. They're going to do a smash cut. They're going to watch this in the order in which they make sense to watch. And they're going to just watch Civil War and then watch this and then continue watching the movies in the order they came. And it doesn't matter. Right now, it seems out of place. In the long run, it won't. And it won't matter at all. Well, it's like Falcon and the Winter Soldier has to be seen after after Endgame. I mean, because, because the whole what happened to Captain America kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. but this one you could watch it now, and then obviously there's the scene with you know Elena, the 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 bonus scene that Jaime referenced, and, I, and I'll pass it over to you for that one, Jaime. But I think other than uh, spoilers, that, by the way, yeah. other than that, this movie could could be watched without any problem. Down, you know, in, in that way. I think I think you could watch this even if you didn't know who Black Widow was. You know, oh, it would be it would be just was... a good movie. Although, again, like yeah. so much of the MCU, it really is just about you know stacking houses here. They're just they're putting one on top of the other. And... Well, I mean the whole the whole ribbing her about her fame as as an Avenger too. I mean that yeah. that kind of a running joke through the whole movie as well, right? Yeah. All right, Jaime, what do you got? Yeah, I, I apologize because I forget what Julia Louise Dreyfus's character. Oh, she's Val. Name is. Oh, Val. Val. Okay, thank you. So. If you recall, this movie was supposed to to kick things off, right? So it is supposed to come out before The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which The Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before WandaVision. So we've got things a little out of order. So this would have been the first appearance of Val and and her at the tail end there trying to recruit Yelena. Kind of makes sense, uh, given that we we saw her as recruiting... um, uh, Walker, Walker is the TS, yeah. agent, TS agent, right? As I call them. TS agent. So US agent. Uh, I could see that like, oh, you you might be building an, an Avengers team, right? Because you've got mm-hmm. a Black Widow, you've got a Captain America, uh, or or their, you know, their their heir apparents, which is is gonna be interesting as another thread here. So um 
to your point, Jonathan, I think uh, Disney Plus does have the the release order, and then I think they have chronological order. I don't know if chronological order goes as far as moving the end credits and mid credit scenes. Oh, I hope not. But but that might be interesting as another option, right? Of like, I literally want to watch everything in the order in which it happened in time. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, you know, movie marathon night, and you get a little confused. Like, wait, why didn't that end credits? Oh, that's right, because that takes place way later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think... I think this movie um for me i i enjoyed it let me just start out by saying that i enjoyed it it's a lot of fun i don't think it's top tier with uh like avengers infinity war no. or captain america the winter soldier but you know what i'm looking i looked up the runtime it is two hours and 14 minutes it does mm-hmm. not feel like two hours and 14 mm-hmm. minutes it yeah. is very breezy to get through um there is maybe a little too much action there there's if you saw this in theater which apparently there were 80 million dollars yeah. us and uh or North America and $78 million international. Um, I don't know when you went to go pee, but there was no time to pee. Is that bums in seats? Like people going to the theater? Has, has, yeah, has, yeah. Because Disney Plus alone, premier access. So not, it doesn't come. Yeah. 60 million US yeah. uh, dollars just for Disney Plus. So people paying, uh, it was $30 for us. I don't know how much it is uh, adjusted elsewhere, yeah, but um, those are people saying I am 100% willing to watch this in the comfort well, of my own home. Well, this is the thing. Is I, uh, reference a link that I posted here as well as part of the story that that the basically Black Widow basically kicked kicked off when it came to you know we're all in pandemic still in pandemic mode you know the fact you know like what was it what was the last movie that came out we kind of wondered if it was going to make back its money uh, there was another big release uh, oh the um, the tenant right tenant yeah tenant was supposed to be yeah. in the theater ended up being a home home release um, I think it, there I think it was shown in some theaters like in the states and stuff like that right yeah. Um, Tenet was it, uh, the, the, the unfortunate one that yeah. uh, that had some trouble. I think Cruella had maybe a multi-release. Mm-hmm. It did. Right. And it right. did pretty good. Um, Where the hell are the dogs? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, this, but the, the fact that, that, you know, the reported revenue from the weekend was just amazing, $158 million, mm-hmm. right? You know, for, for a movie that, you know, you know, half of us couldn't see in the, in, in like in IMAX or whatever, like we expected, right? Yeah. You know, it was amazing. Sorry. Yeah. I mean. and, and, and kudos for the, the Disney Plus Premier Access. So this is the first time I've I've paid for that. So I didn't know what the experience was going to be like. Uh, see, here 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 was my tiny little story. I said, oh, instead of doing Disney Plus, I'm going to go buy it on iTunes. Then I would own it forever. I thought it was so slick. Guess what? They thought about that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you can't buy it on Amazon. You can't buy it on iTunes. I'm like, oh wait, because this is not. You know, mentally I was thinking this is like the Blu-ray or DVD equivalent release. No, no, no. Can you can you not get like a two like because this is the thing again another thing I like about Disney Plus is that we can watch it anytime for the next like 30 days or something like no, that. No, no, right? Disney Where... Plus is permanent. Yeah. Per- yeah oh, so, so it, yeah. yeah, as long as you, if you paid so for it. As long as you paid, paid for, it. for it, as long as you maintain your Disney Plus account, you can watch it till the, till the end of time. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Wonder Woman too, because Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman one, was only a timed thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah you could yeah. Watch, you paid for it. You had 48 hours to watch it yeah. as many times as you wanted, right? Yeah. No, this uh, was, this that, yeah. I think is at least a little better in that if I choose to, I don't feel like I need like I'd like to watch it again and try and pick up yeah. some more of the nuance. Yeah. I'm glad that I didn't have to watch it the next day for that. I can watch it next week or next month if 
I choose. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the Premiere Access stuff, they do make it, at least in the UI I saw on my, what did I do, iPad to pay for it. Um, it straight up says you're buying this Access through October, at which point it becomes free to everybody as part of yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah. Which so are you like, a Disney Plus subscriber now or just for this show? No, I, I have been Disney Plus for... Um, oh, for Loki and all for all the yeah. For all the Marvel shows and then the Star Wars shows. And they got you, didn't through. they? They hooked yeah, you which, in. Which, uh, you know, uh, Paramount Plus, when it was CBS All Access, got me in for what like six months, I think, because mm-hmm. they had show after show after show. Um, that's a good uh, that's a good problem to have, and I think it's mm-hmm. a good strategy for these streaming services to have. You you want my dollars every month? Give me something worth it every month. Well, and again, we we've talked in the past about how you know the the difference between the drop all your episodes at once and the spread them over the time. The spread them over the time starting to turn out to be a pretty good winner because it makes you keep your subscriptions longer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the only other thing I would would like to circle back on for the episode again: great supporting cast. You know, Scarlett Johansson, obviously the star, Florence. Rachel Weisz, David Harbour. Um, so they tipped for me the the bad guy, the the reveal. And again, spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it. If you made it this far, you know you're you're pretty good, pretty good and spoiled we'll, now. We'll but, do a spoiler warning, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. But yeah. uh, the, the thing that they did wrong is that they put the credits at the front of the movie, which not every movie does anymore. Only some movies do that. And in that, they put all the names. So I'm looking at the names. I'm like, okay, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz. Okay. David Harbour. Cool. Like, okay. They're going down the list. I'm like, oh, okay. Ray Winstone. Okay. He's, so he's he's the bad guy. He's Dracoff. Okay. William Hurt. Of course, he's Thunderball, uh, Thunderbolt Ross. He's coming back. And look at it. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot Olga Kurlenko is in this. She was... Uh, uh, famously a Bond girl of like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh, I like her, uh, Olga Karolenko. And so as the movie's going on and they're unveiling the plot and they're like, oh, what's going on? And I'm, I'm like, huh, it's funny. They haven't brought her in as a character yet. Oh, and then they interview, they, they bring in this mysterious masked character as the sort of... Oh, is that her? The villain. And oh. they've got like the, you know, the mask on and the, the scary looking and it's sort of Terminator-esque. And I'm like, hmm. And then they're going on and they're like, oh, they tell this little backstory about how, uh, you know, there was this mission that was the way that that uh, the Black Widow got free from working for the Red Room was that she helped take out Dracoff, and in that the collateral damage was his daughter, and uh, you know, and oh, and now he blames her for. But didn't the, they the telegraph that death. to you, Jonathan? Because I mean, like, oh, they hundred percent did. Because I mean, like, they kept bringing that daughter. Don't you feel bad about the daughter? Yes. And she's like weepy and yes, here welling up in her in the corner of her eye throughout the whole movie. They they totally did. They totally telegraphed that for me, and they and the. Fact fact that they hadn't shown anybody like they hadn't shown Olga Karolenko for the first like hour plus of the movie as like her face which is a pretty recognizable one again she was you know she's a Bond girl she's famous um I immediately was like okay so clearly that's the daughter clearly that's behind there clearly she's gonna be the one that they've turned into Taskmaster and I like Taskmaster as a character. I'm uh, old enough comic fan that I have his first appearance. I read it all when I was, uh, you know, my oh, so teens. Taskmaster is an actual character. The, Taskmaster the, the, the... is a, is a character from the comics, and his ability in the comics it's a male in in the comic books. And I have no issue with gender swapping. I don't that doesn't bother me in one way or the other. Uh, but the idea is that he has this ability to mimic anything he sees. He can do so if he he watches Hawkeye use a bow and arrow, he can do 
do everything that Hawkeye can do with a bow and arrow. If he sees Captain America fighting with a shield, he can do everything that Captain America can do with a shield. I don't think they did a good job of explaining that. They just they basically throw it off as well. You know, he you know she can mimic everything that she sees oh, look, or whatever. She has a shield. Oh look, she has a bow and arrow. Yeah. yeah. So at one point you see Taskmaster watching videos of Hawkeye at the in the Civil oh, really? War fight, okay. right? You see mm-hmm. Captain America there. You see Hawkeye there, and then you see her attacking Black Widow. And I totally didn't get that, and I watched the movie. So you're right. Yeah. So for me, I got that because I know the character. But then also I was looking and then they're like, oh, but it's actually she's like, you know, she has this chip in her head and all this stuff. Okay. And I the character in the in the comics is very like he is basically the um, he is the supplier of hoods for villains. He is like so good at mastering all these different things. He basically builds armies for like if Dr. Doom needs an army, if if you know, if you're a villain and you need henchmen that you bring in this guy he trains up a bunch of goons shows them all these skills and then and then sort of you know has them be your 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 hench people and he's really interesting very fully realized character here they basically turned her into like the terminator she doesn't really say anything she's just this sort of non-stop attacking yeah, machine. sort of a robot robocop kind of person yeah, yeah. And, and again I, I like that they did that thing where they sort of make her an empathetic character and obviously she's not the villain it's Drakoff and you know whatever but but i I kind of, while I enjoyed what they did, I also regret that the that we're not going to ever see that version of Taskmaster in the in the MCU, just because it's. I think he's a really interesting character, and I kind of regret that we're not going to see that version of it. Um, and also, just again, I I, I kind of put two and two together on the fact that Olga Kurylenko had to be that character, and it kind of spoiled how that was going to play out for me a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, the the comic book characters, despite the name of Taskmaster, mm-hmm. which is a, a person that does a you know harsh workload, uh, yeah. managerial one, really more like a quartermaster that provides <laughs> supplies and stuff. Right? Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so should we talk about that final scene? Sure. Yeah, we're still in spoilerville. So so that final scene after the credits, we see. Okay, this is another nit I'm going to pick. I, I do have a few. Uh, so throughout throughout this, you know, we sort of get a sense of like, you know, uh, we've seen what happens after the the snapping and the return, right? We've seen uh, the Spider Man Far From Home. We've seen uh, One Division. We've seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've seen what happens after uh, Thanos, all the people, half the population of the universe dying and then coming back. We know what happens there. We know that there's a whole what happened to Captain America. We know there's there's all this stuff. So a couple things out of this one. One, Natasha Romanoff essentially sacrificed herself to save half the universe. And her grave is under a tree in the middle of effing nowhere. Like, wouldn't there be a statue, a massive acknowledgement of her in, like, the downtown of some major city somewhere because she would be a hero to up to the whole population of Earth? I found that, like, a little disrespectful. But she could have she could have also been like a because she she started out as as a a hired like a trained killer. Right. So she may have had a questionable past. Oh, she certainly did. But I still think, you know, saving billions upon billions, countless billions of lives by sacrificing yourself to get the soul stone probably corrects that ledger. Yeah, I... 
I, you know, they didn't show what was happening here. I, I had interpreted it a little bit differently um, that even if there was the, the big like Death of Superman style memorial uh, statue somewhere, um, I don't believe there is a body. I don't think they've recovered a body from where the soul stone is. So dun, dun, dun. presumably there's nothing no. in, in this grave either. And this might be the more private family one, right? So that although you it's, go it's and you, possible you have they could have gone back to Vormir and, and got her body. It's possible. It's possible. But 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 either way, um, I, I could see where there would be the like you know if your family members or friends sort of thing, you don't want to have to go to like yeah fight through the, the crowd. The tourist to attraction, <laughs> the tourist yeah. attraction to, to have your heart to heart is like we we've got this other area that that represents the. But then we see Elena like she, there's certainly there's a pile of flowers there. There's teddy bears and stuff like that. So it's 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 kind of a mixed message anyway. I, I thought that was a bit incongruous, but but I'll I'll move past that to to get to the real meat of this, which is we see Elena show up. Yelena tidies up the grave. She kneels down. She kisses the side of the stone. And then we hear this familiar voice and it's Val. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up as Val, the character we saw in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And she basically says, you know, hey, how'd you like to, to you know, know who was responsible for your sister's death? And shows her a picture of Clint Barton as Ronan uh, in his, you know, his sort of ninja costume, which is, of course, going to... It's a setup for the the Hawkeye TV show that's coming to Disney Plus. So the, the thought there, of course, is that she's going to be the sort of um, not necessarily bad guy, but the sort of the anti-hero, the yeah. anti-hero of of that series, where you know uh, Clint Barton is is going to be sort of the one of the heroes of that show, and uh, they're sort of setting that up for you. So here's a question. How does Val know what happened on Vormir? <laughs> I, I wonder, like, if there's, like, a newsletter or something or, or you know, I mean, like, like, like a social point, media conspiracy. Someone's got to debrief the government, I guess, somewhere. And if she's got sources inside the government. Maybe, she read it on, maybe on Reddit she saw something, you know, r slash Avengers. That one really, again, sort of grabbed me. I was like, huh. Huh. Yeah, it's it's similar to um, from WandaVision when Agnes uh, says to the Vision, like, you're dead. Am I dead? I'm like, how do people know that? Like, that yeah. battle happened way out in Wakanda. Like, is there a, hey, you know what? Avengers are out there. We haven't seen Vision for a while. Is, is he dead? Let's just assume, you know, Paul is dead sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how, how literal it is versus, to your point there, there's, there's uh, top secret classified information that given this character, what she does, you might have access to. Yeah, yeah. But still, That's the one thing in this movie you found unbelievable. <laughs> I think all in all, though, it was a good flick. I think I, I think I would watch it again. I think it's going to fit well into the canon. I agree. It's 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 not uh, it's not in the in the upper echelon, but it's certainly solidly in the middle of the pack. And uh, and as far as you know, if this is the last time we're going to see Scarlett Johansson in this role, it's uh, it's you know it's appropriate. I'm glad she finally got to be the the lead character. I think Elena is a fun character and I think she could be, you know, again, if, if the idea is that Scarlett Johansson played Black Widow for 10 years and now for the next 10 years, we're going to get Florence Pugh, who I think is a fine actress. I think I'm fine with all this. So, so, so I have a question then you, you kind of left, left me hanging there. Hmm. Um, what is your favorite Avenger movie? Uh, fav- oh, favorite Marvel movie? Yeah. Okay. Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, Winter Soldier. Okay. I think it's the I'm- best. I think it's the best realized really? version of a movie. I think. I think it's I think if you took Captain America's costume off that is a great
great movie. I think I think it just works on so many levels. The 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 well, the you know, the guy, problem the Robert Redford and all that stuff. There's so much going on there. Like it's it's just a really mm. you know like the 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 loyalty versus you know the the blind faith. The, the the Winter Soldier conflict, which they'd set up from the previous movie where, you know, he has to defeat this sort of, you know, guy, but he can't kill yeah. him because he loves him. And I just think it was really well realized. The best Marvel movies, in my estimation, are the ones that have the best villains. Loki is one of the best villains. The Winter Soldier is a great villain. Uh, for me, I mean, I really enjoy, uh, you know, all of them in their own way. I think Ragnarok is pretty high up there, too, for, for similar reasons in that Hela is a great sort of, you know, uh, scenery-chewing villain. But again, completely different movies. But I think I think Winter Soldier is the best-made movie of them all. As a spy thriller goes, it's it's really, really up there. And I love spy movies. I, I'm a huge, you know, mm-hmm. Three Days of the Condor and, you know, all those types of 1970s spy movies. And, and I thought it was just a great, great spy movie. And the performances are great. And the villain is great. And, you know, like, and it's just, re- like, it sets the stage for so much that comes after that right, right how about you guys let's throw it back at you what do you guys like yeah, as your favorites I, I, I think my top two are uh, captain america the winter soldier and avengers infinity war i'd probably give the nod to captain america for being more self-contained mm-hmm. right like you, you could come in in that movie and end of that movie and you're gonna be relatively pleased it's like the yeah Star Wars A New Hope of, oh yeah, Vader gets away at the end, but the main sort of task was accomplished. Yeah. Uh, or is Infinity War, just if, if you come in there, it's very confusing. And if you leave there, you're like, so they lost? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's the Empire Strikes Back kind of thing of like, yeah. it's a good movie, but it's kind of hard to not lean on what came before and mm-hmm. require you to see what comes after. And it's hard not to think of that in its totality, right? Like it really is very much part of a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny for me because I don't think I saw the the Winter Soldier in in like full one sitting kind of thing. I, I saw it bits and pieces. For me, I think it's hard hard pressed to choose, but I think I, Gardens Guardians of the Galaxy one is probably a good movie mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, one with Benedict Cumberbatch, oh, Doctor um, Strange, Doctor Strange is a good one. I like. I think I like the first Iron Man movie. Um, who else is in there? Uh, Thor Ragnarok is a great movie. We haven't even mentioned uh, Black Panther, by the way, which is somewhat. Yeah, we got it. Like, come on. Yeah, Black Panther. Yeah. yeah, Black Panther was was interesting too, in a sort of Spider Man y kind of Superman y kind of way, like like just a different like on its own, right? Mm. Um, yeah, and maybe we'll talk about we'll talk about the the we'll come back to to the the closing of the Avenger Endgame when we talk about Loki in a minute. Well, let's talk about Loki now, actually. Mm. So yeah, Loki was a really. I mean, it's now that it's over. If you haven't seen all all the episodes i think we're just going to dive right in so yes this is a second spoiler part for you um a really interesting story the way it was told i mean like uh not you know like like definitely a fish out of water kind of scenario where he's pulled into this this world um you know not by his own choosing right i forget i forget the very beginning of how he gets in there but um he's sort of captured and put into this thing and then then we have this tva and we have to sort of figure out that the was it the, the the time police almost um kind of thing right um and they have all these interesting roles and owen north is pretty good i think as as the character he plays oh, um, Wilson. yeah yeah 
Yeah, Mobius, right? Yeah. Owen Wilson, yeah. And um, what did I say, Owen North? Yeah. Oh, sorry, the hockey player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was in it too. No. Um, but, and, and I really like the fact that the way that Tom Hiddleston plays Loki in this, because he doesn't play Loki Loki, right? Lo- Loki's a trickster. He's like, he's always sort of playing the villain and he's always out for his own self. I think that, uh, it's sort of a, a character arc movie, I guess, is what you'd call this, Jonathan, mm-hmm. where he learns about himself and his role in the in his society. glorious purpose yeah so he discovers that you know there's more to life than what he's been what he's been at up to right so and plus i think we've also he's also coming out of uh i don't think it's, this is before endgame obviously right or somehow before yeah endgame so because so even though this is the loki we see leave with yeah. the tesseract in endgame yeah. he is the loki yeah. timeline wise from after the Battle of New York, so he hasn't had he hasn't had the events of uh, Thor: The Dark World. He hasn't had the events of Thor: Ragnarok. He, he hasn't, seen, had he hasn't the seen his mother die. He hasn't, he hasn't seen his seen, mother die yeah. due to his yeah. behavior. Although he does in this, but like that's where we start with him. Is yeah, he's, yeah. he's still the same schmuck who just got pancaked by the the Hulk? You know, two days before. Right. Right, right, and he and he, he gets to see his own death. In, yeah, in this this story, he gets to see his mother's death, and how and now he gets to reflect on how that affects him because I think and and also the the reveal part where I'd forgotten about this where he um you know he's got this sort of uh, when he's in jail in the second Thor movie where he's he's got you know he's living in this really nice elaborate cell and it's not until he's talking to his brother that his brother sort of convinces him to reveal himself as being this depressed guy sitting in the corner, right? Yeah. Who's who's putting on this illusion, right? Um, so I mean, uh, all around. I mean, and and, and I like the sort of twists and turns in the in the, the story. Um, not wanting to give too much away, but um, but the ending for me, like again, it's like. <sighs> He who shall remain, right? Um, it's always that same guy, right? <laughs> he who shall not be named, you know, like it's always the same. Well, you know, well, well, I can, I can certainly shed some light even, on even all refer that. Him but... almost as the devil in in a sense, right? Because he does, he say, you came here to kill the devil, right? Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. So anyway, and yeah, and there's going to be season two, so I guess there's there's chance for them to redeem themselves in my eyes. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. So. The whole arc here is that we we get a much more sort of narcissistic version of Loki than we're probably used to, having seen his character evolve before his death in Endgame. And then we get a similar trajectory of him realizing that he, you know, he is not, in fact... Uh, the center of all things, and then you know he discovers more about himself by actually uh, strangely falling in love with himself, which is just a little weird. So we start with Loki. He sh- he takes the Tesseract. He appears. The TVA intervenes. They catch him. They take him there, and they basically say, you know, we're going to put you on trial and we're going to vaporize you. Owen Wilson's character uh, Mobius basically says, you know what? We can actually use his help in tracking down this other variant. Uh, who's also a Loki from a different timeline, let's not kill him yet. So he, but we don't know it's a Loki at the first. Well, not in the first episode, but we, we quickly yeah. get that anyways. So or I guess it's the end of the first the first episode that we find out that it's, a, it's the other Loki. Uh, so then the story is basically like, well, who is this other Loki? And then um, it basically turns out that the two of them end up allying the two Lokis. The other Loki doesn't want to be called Loki. She wants to be called Sylvie. And so it's about Sylvie and Loki. Loki, who are two sides of the same person, obviously one male uh, and one female, but basically the same person with different life experiences and different perspectives on things. 
And they go on this adventure together where they, you know, are sort of each growing in different ways. She's she's trying to figure out whether or not she can learn to trust. He's trying to figure out whether or not he could stop being an ass. And, you know, over the course of the series, they sort of, you know, uh, un- unravel the fact that the TVA is all just a myth. It doesn't really exist in the way they think it does, that there's actually a, uh, a sort of a hand behind the whole thing that isn't, in fact, the timekeepers that they thought were... Um, you know, the ones behind it. And in the end, as you say, we basically come around to this point where they finally, you know, they reach the reach the castle at the end of the maze. They get there and... And it's Ron Howard's little brother. <laughs> well, that's that's basically it. So in the end, they get to the end of this, this you know, journey. And there we see Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors, um, you know, we mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, nominated for an Emmy for, for Lovecraft County, uh, County, County, Country. Um, and he is, is, you know, revealing himself as this sort of, you know, I'm not the bad guy. You just think I'm the bad guy. And if you basically, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And then it comes down to Loki versus Loki. Use the fork. Yeah. It's Loki versus Loki for, you know, she blames this person, he, he you know, he who remains for basically kidnapping her as a child and taking her away from, you know, uh, making her live her life on the run and scared and everything else. And then we also have uh, our Loki, who now has grown to the point where he thinks, you know what, I I don't, I think maybe this guy's telling the truth and I don't think we should take this risk. And so we have this Loki versus Loki fight. In the end, uh, Sylvie Loki wins and she runs through he who remains. And then we see all hell break loose and the timelines are skewing all over the place. And our Loki gets transported back to the TVA, where we realize that the timeline has been reset. The the, the what do they call it? The holy timeline? The, uh, the the sacred timeline? The sacred timeline, that's right. The sacred timeline that they were working to protect through the whole thing has been reset because in place of the timekeepers at the center of this TVA, we see just he who remains as the lone person who is in control of it, and they have no recollection of any of the events that Loki does. So this spins into a couple of different ways we can look at this. So one, yes, they also reveal at the end of this episode and the end of this series that we're going to get a season two. Two, they use the word multiverse about 48 times in the final episode, which happens to be part of the title of the next Doctor Strange movie, The Multiverse of Madness, Into the Multiverse of Madness, which also ties into the WandaVision storyline that we talked about where, you know, they mentioned the multiverse there a couple of times as well. And also, it falls beautifully into we see the branching timelines we see all the different timelines skewing off of the the sacred timeline to show all these different possibilities what if so this sets the stage for the next marvel tv series that we're going to get which is what if where what if Captain America had died in the 1940s and, uh, you know, Peggy Carter had to pick up the mantle and become Captain uh, Captain Britain or whatever she is, Captain England or whoever she is, uh, in the trailer that we see. So we've set the stage for movies to come. We've set the stage for new TV series to come. And we've kind of set the stage for the next big bad for the Marvel Universe. While in here, we only ever have him referred to as he who remains. Anybody who's a comic fan knows 
that this is Kang the Conqueror, who is uh-huh. as old as the Avengers. He, he appeared in the 1963 issue, I think it's issue eight or nine of, of the Avengers. And he is this time-spanning warlord who has all of these incarnations across time and is now going to be this this major thorn in the side. How that lines up with the storyline and all the grounded universe stuff with, uh, you know, uh, Val and all that other stuff, I have not figured out yet. Perhaps that's yet to be revealed. But we've now set the stage for phase four of the Marvel Universe, which is a pretty bold thing to do in a television series. So this doesn't tie back into Endgame where Loki appears and saves the day? Uh, you know where the rings show up and everybody, sh- all the people who have been blipped come back? No, he has nothing to do with that. That's okay. Doctor Strange with the, the things in them all showing up. Loki right. dies ostensibly, although we can have that discussion too. So in the penultimate episode, we go to this sort of place at the end of time where all the all the pruned Lokis, all these Lokis are all living who've all been taken out of the timeline and we meet... Including one as an alligator. Yeah. Including Gator Loki. Right. We meet a young Loki. We meet, uh, you know, all these different versions, including a very old Loki played by Richard Grant. And he says... I was in the moment in the ship with Thor and Thanos, and I created a facsimile of myself so realistic that it even fooled the Mad Titan to think that he had killed me. And then I went off and lived on my own. So they've really written a way that they could bring back our Loki if they so chose mm-hmm. by saying mm-hmm. that he faked his own death in that moment. Yeah. With, with Loki as a character, even before this show, it was always a, is he really dead sort of thing that they've <laughs> well, played he, with? He died in, in what's the, what's the black, uh, black, uh, what the hell was that terrible one? The, if you want to know my world? my least favorite Marvel movie, that would be that one too. The Dark World, Thor The Dark World. Not a great film. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's, for me, it was um, interesting to look at this from the perspective of what is the theme of the show. So mm. for folks who've seen the other shows, I'm going to do them in release order. So WandaVision, we said that was about grief, mm-hmm. right? That was the theme, uh, grief and loss. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier was really about legacy. Mm-hmm. Three different characters, one who doesn't want to take the legacy, one who absolutely wants it, and one who's trying to get past their legacy. This one, I feel like it was pretty much on the free will theme so you know are you destined to do certain things uh does somebody else have the free will and you don't have the free will um i I thought those were all interesting ideas for this show Mm -hmm. no agreed the question is in the grand scheme of things where did we land on that one on uh, on this show like on on free will versus destiny Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, he, you know, uh, I'm going I'm to start just start calling him Kang because I can't be bothered. The man has had many names. He's <laughs> Kang. He's Immortus. He's Ramatut. He's all these different things across all these different comic storylines. Uh, anyways, Kang, for lack of a better term, basically says, you know, I have done all this. You guys didn't have, you know, he said, you know, you guys walked the path. I paved the path. So why did he have that one threshold moment? where he says we've come to the point where I don't know what's going to happen because his whole point was getting them to that point and then it was up okay. to them to take that next step right mm, okay yeah because I kind of like that I mean they, they kind of played that out in the very very first court scene where he's 
there and and he's i forget what he says like he says what, what happens now and the guy prints out it on a piece of paper and puts it down in front of him and it says what happens now on the yeah. output mm-hmm. right you're making him sign the bureaucratic form of can you verify this is everything you've ever said and it's like yeah. what right and then that's right. another thing <laughs> This is yeah, ridiculous then, or then, whatever. But then they talk about, they, they run that same line again when he first meets Kang in the end, mm-hmm. right? Because he says, I know exactly what you're going to say. Like, mm-hmm. it, without doing the sort of trope thing they could have done where he repeat they repeat everything at the same time kind of thing. Like, Well, he says, how is it possible that I can avoid everything you're planning to do and I know what you're going to do before you do it? He's like, I do. Mm. I, I know exactly what you're going to do so I can just get out of the way. Yeah, just move out of the way, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like the timey-wimey stuff and, and I like the fact that, I mean, the reveal uh, at the end, that that it was all just a hoax, right? And that, that and that, you know, like even the part where the I forget what they call those the the agents or whatever the Minutemen, the, the black Minutemen. Minutemen. She she takes the one Minuteman back to meet where they meet the first time they meet the school teacher who turns out to be the big boss, yeah, Ravonna, right? Yeah. Everyone like she doesn't even like she walks into the room and she doesn't even know who the so and that's another again this is the sort of the one part about you know sleeping on the porch and Back to the Future Two is how come they don't know that they're variants mm-hmm. right how come they don't remember I mean Loki remembers he was his life before he became a variant mm-hmm. yeah why right? why do some people have the knowledge and some people I don't mean, and yeah. Sylvie didn't because she was obviously a child when they when they brought her in and again it's kind of like you know they brought they brought her in when she was a child child and that's what ruined her life right yeah and it's funny because they talk about you know in that episode where they have all the loki's they're like well what what was your transgression the tva felt they needed to take you out of the timeline and you know the the richard grant character says you know well yeah i i got taken out of the timeline because they were fine with me living on my own for millennia here but then i missed my brother and i wanted to go see him and as soon as i did that they they pruned me and kid loki says well i killed thor and so obviously, you know, that's not going to abide. They had to destroy his timeline. The question I had through this whole thing, and, I, and I've seen it mm-hmm. raised on a few different, uh, um, you know, sites and, and podcasts and Reddit and places like that was what did Sylvie do? That was, yeah. what did she do that needed to be pruned right then and there? And the only thing that I can come up with and, and a prevailing theory that I've seen online is that she didn't want to be the villain because right. she she's playing with her toys and she says, and Loki saves the day. Oh, yeah. And maybe yeah. they're so megalomaniacal in that way that they're like, Loki can't be the hero. Loki has to be the bad guy. So they prune her. Yeah, de- depending on how you end up looking at it. So I think for the the young kid one, if you assume that what Thanos does has to occur in mm-hmm. the sacred timeline, then you need Thor to be there, which means he can't be dead. Yep. So you prune little kid Loki. Uh, old man Loki, uh, presumably Loki needs to be considered villain, except for his heroic uh, uh, sacrifice mm-hmm. to, to, to in front of Thanos. So him coming back uh, might cause issues. It's a little less clear. I do agree with the sylvie idea that given she seemed to be playing with like like toy valkyries mm-hmm. um like if if loki becomes a hero then loki doesn't move all the puzzle pieces into the right place as the villain yeah and and thanos maybe does something to become um uh you know perfectly uh winning right yep. as opposed to what dr strange told us that out of the 14 million some variations that he saw there was only one way that they ended up winning so yeah maybe it had to go that way yeah i will say now that we've seen three different
different series and I've enjoyed them all in, in different ways and obviously different performances and, and you're right Jaime I think you, you know you really nailed it with you know there are themes that sort of run through these that are that are really when you when you look at this whole thing through those lenses it really becomes clear I think Loki was my favorite so far. It was, I know for some of the people that I've spoken with and some of the things that I've read, some people found it a little confusing because it is timey-wimey and, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's certainly a lot of stuff to chew on. But as a longtime Marvel fan and as well as somebody who really just likes, um, you know, the the character studies and stuff like that, I thought this really kind of brought it all together. There was just packed with Easter eggs. Tom Hiddleston's performance was amazing um as was everybody i mean i really i i don't think i'd ever seen anything with um uh sofia demartino before but i thought she was really good the chemistry between her and hiddleston was great the chemistry between owen wilson mm-hmm. as mobius and tom hiddleston was great gugu mbathara was amazing as ravona she like you really couldn't get like she was just so impenetrable it was great uh Wunmi musaku who played the hunter uh b15 she's the 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 um the black agent who is is uh you know who ends up getting sort of seeing the light she was terrific um you know even you know tara strong being ms minutes you know like there's a, there's a lot of like good little things there and then again like all these little moments you know we we got you know young young loki and and richard grant and you know all these little moments i, I and and jonathan majors again like he was really going for it like he was almost loki-esque as as kang you know the the sort of the whimsy the i don't know what's gonna happen next i'm really excited about it and i might get killed and this is so great like he just i really enjoyed that um yeah i think i think there was a lot to enjoy in this i like all the retro vibe too like the the mm-hmm. you know electric typewriters and the old computers oh the aesthetic was beautiful and, and, and one thing i did definitely wanted yeah. to call out i I thought the music for this was incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when they're having some of those epic fights, the horns and the, just the, like, just a perfect, when they're in the TVA and the music's got this sort of, you know, retro vibe to it. And then they go into these grand fights and it has the, the, the part where they're on the planet that's about to be destroyed and, and the sort of epic yeah, music that around tune, that. Yeah. And then yeah. the, the, the penultimate episode where they're fighting against the smoke monster from lost. And, and uh, you know, I, thought there was just a real feeling to the music I, I i thought it was really 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 well done in this in this series yeah and it's got a good theme song or intro theme song oh, that yeah. is very uh mm-hmm. twilight zone or x-files-esque yeah kind of something freaky is gonna happen sort of thing yeah so i i am curious you know jaime i know you're a comic reader and and tim much less so was this impenetrable or was this enjoyable i got everything that was going on because i know enough of the comics um, so I think, and, and I've watched every single Marvel uh, movie. So for me, it was pretty easy. This is not one that I would share with my significant other who is more of a, a casual mainstream normal person, right? Falcon and the Winter Soldier is easier to explain. Oh yeah. I think this and WandaVision are, are big no-nos to have yeah. with her because she's just not going to get it because it, it requires you to, to know a lot of the backstory. 
so before before we get Tim's thought on this, I'm curious, Jaime, because this does so much to establish what's going to happen next in the MCU, is it going to be a deterrent going forward for some of the stuff that you and your partner might watch? No, I don't think so, because I think they've done a really good job with Marvel's uh, cinematic universe for the films to give you enough context in the movie. Like, yes, it is always better if you saw the other movies, you saw the other things, um, but they they treat it as, as supplemental and not strictly necessary. Like, mm. I think Thanos is a pretty good example where I think most mainstream folks got a pretty good idea of like, oh, he's the big bad guy. He's collecting these these magic widgets. Yeah, right? the that was sufficient. Yeah, yeah, that was sufficient for them. Whereas fans would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's been teased for so long. Oh, they showed the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm going to do it myself. Like, uh, it was better if you saw and, and knew and remembered all those things, but not strictly necessary. So I think here with uh, with Kang, like, did you have to see this guy? No, you just need to know, oh, this is a guy who's time jumping, conquering. I got it. Good. Mm. And then I think they can move on from there. Yeah. What about you, Tim? I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, this, the whole series, because I always like timey-wimey, sort of twisty, you know, multiverse kind of shows anyway. And plus, the, like I said, the retro vibe and the aesthetic. And the, the retro vibe really evoked Doctor Who for me. I don't know about for you. Yeah. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. but I, I did want to mention at one point here, I, st- I went back and started watching Doctor Who on, on Crave. It's on, it's on Bell for free, right? Mm-hmm. So I started watching the Christopher Christopher Eccleston, um, uh, you know, with Billy Piper. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not as bad as I remember. I mean, they're still hokey in terms of special effects, but but then Bill, but, uh, Doctor Who's always been sort of a bit, a bit hokey on the special effects. But um, yeah, so I'm, I because I, I realized in talking to you guys and talking to Tammy that um, I, I think I might have missed a whole bunch of David Tennant and maybe some Matt Smith Doctor Who's because of the way they were they were shown on on hmm. I don't know if they were on space at first or whatever but there there may have been some episodes I missed right mm-hmm. because it wasn't you know we didn't have PVRs back then and yeah. all that kind of stuff right so so I'm sitting back through going back through them a little bit of times so, I mean some of them are pretty bad but anyway <laughs> but yeah I, I really didn't I really didn't enjoy this this show it had that sort of you know 70s sort of vibe to it um you know I remember I started looking wondering what happened to our select select set typewriter and <laughs> some of the older computers I've seen a lot of the stuff they used in there and I like the way they played them around I like the little character the little oh. timekeeper character Miss Minutes yeah uh, Miss Minutes yeah and and who plays that actually it's Tara Strong she's a very prominent voice actress she's done tons yeah. of things Harley Quinn all kinds of different characters bubbles, over the years I think for me was she bubbles Tara Strong yes absolutely from Powerpuff Power Girls. Girls yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I mean I really like I, re- I really like the character and it, and it was funny the way I like the way they animated her too so it looked like she was actually in 3d space you know yeah um, and I love that she, she gets I in. love that she was sort of part of part of the conspiracy like it wasn't just sort yeah, of some little yeah. I love that they twisted that that was amazing well there was even that little sort of the bomb that she drops on on I forgot the administrator lady Oh, Ravina, uh, uh, Ravona, Ravona Renslayer, yeah. Yeah, when she comes back and she sort of says, what were you looking up? She goes, oh, no, no, never mind. Don't worry about it. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting yep. twist of fate. And I'm just going to put this out there. Tara Strong is from Toronto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Canada's own. Canada's own. She's she's been in America for a long time, but yes, she's she's Canadian. All right. Yeah. Well, it's like nothing thing wrong with that. Nope. So Tim, um, I think I think another thing that may you, you mentioned the timey wimey thing that had you watching Doctor Who. For me, what Sofia De Martino's um, sort of general look and accent made me think a lot of Jodie Whittaker. I was like, I could see mm. 
this lady is another Doctor Who as well. Um, oh, they're going to turn completely left with the next Doctor. Like, like it's going to be like you, you're going to be like, who? Really? Yeah. I hope they, so. They, keep, keep. Yeah, they, they, they never, they never. It's, it's. I mean, it's a big secrety thing. It's kind of like who's playing the next Queen in the Crown kind of thing mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of a well kept secret. Although that's not a well kept secret now. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting. It, it, there's always a big sort of question. It's like it's not as it's not. It's almost as controversial. Who's going to be next Bond kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Doctor whoever whoever whoever, whoever Doctor who's going to be the next Doctor is going to be an interesting interesting story, right? Oh, cool. Let's let's talk about Rick and Morty before we wrap up here because we're only four episodes in. I don't know if you guys have you guys seen all four. I mean, yep. I was going to say this season's been a little bit so so until the last. Oh episode. my god, the last episode! The last episode, the first five minutes of the last episode, and then and it was like they didn't even mention what is really going on, and then it's like the whole the whole episode is like Morty trying to hide what he did in the first. <laughs> You know, like just the subtle, the subtle way she he sort of says, "Oh, I hate your work, mom." What, and but what's this thing do? And she says, "Oh, it's you know for doing that thing." And Morty goes, "Oh, really?" And just a little, you know, <laughs> the wheels turn, the brain, the wheel, turning. and then and then through the whole episode, like they're 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 manufacturally talking about the fact this is all based on you know equine you know DNA, and and he's like, uh, "Maybe not," <laughs> especially when Rick shows up with a big bucket of it. <laughs> I've got this bucket of horse semen from your mom's work. I'm just going to test it and make sure it's actually horse semen. No, why do you have to do that? <laughs> do that? Yeah. Uh, have you seen it, Javi? I have. Um, yeah. I, I uh, ended up liking all the episodes so far. Uh, maybe a lot of folks made out of like the uh, the Planetina, the Captain Planet character. Uh, maybe I grew up watching that show enough that it oh, was, that was funny. Yeah, the, 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 I like that. Girl, yeah. I like that episode. Yeah. 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 The, the very first one was a bit the, the, the weird guy in the seashell thing. The, the Mr. Nimbus. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I saw Multiplicity either. That's the second one, right? Yeah, Multiplicity was yeah the one where the uh, the um, the decoy families, the decoy families, and the, that was very meta. Oh yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah I like that one. Yeah, yeah to get in timey wimey. Right? I've seen people like up and down on on some of the uh, on Reddit and a few different places where people are. Some people are like, oh, this my, they're really pushing the envelope, and some people are like, oh, I don't like it. Uh, it's not as good. Like the last season was really good, you know. Yeah, but I feel like you know the, you're right. The first three, I think they're they're really good episodes. I enjoyed them. I laughed. They were fine. This last one, like I, I, I was honestly, I was just blown away at how far they took the joke. Like they just kept doubling down and doubling down, and just to, to have the episode end with like a giant space incest baby, like it, it's just so far beyond what you where you think yeah. comedy can be pushed like i just i have nothing but i tip my hat it's just so far gone into crazy it's so awesome so the funny thing too is that on adult swim here in canada they bleep all the swear whereas if you buy it on, on itunes you hear them yeah. and i almost like prefer the, the bleeps you know yeah well like, yeah they, so i mean when you watch it are they bleeping out all the, the curse words or they are on, on adult swim okay. in, oh, in the usa okay. uh i've not ever seen the itunes versions yeah. but yeah I, I could see how it might be funnier in in some respects to have the the bleeps yeah um, yeah because i mean you can yeah the, the, the bleeps are not i mean sometimes sometimes the bleeps are like you know you have to really sort of it's it's not a stretch for you to imagine what the word is right is what i'm saying right but uh there was a couple of times in this last episode where there were like three or four like an interchange between two people and it was like bleep 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 and but you could still figure out what they were saying you know yeah. ass bleep you know <laughs> yeah. you know 
But this one, I mean, again, they just 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 pushing it so far to like, like it was a visual. The, the, the whole the whole thing was a visual joke, and they didn't have to say it at all. No, you know? no. And the, the sperm monsters headed for the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, because it's the deepest place on yeah. Earth. To, yeah. Oh my god, the, the widest place. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then you know, and then again, the final sort of fight scene where it's like Rick and Morty, the U.S. military people from the Vegas Strip, and uh, the Chuds from the Horse People, all fighting back against the sperms. Like, oh my. God, it was just it was just so over the top. I just again, I'm just blown away that they can push something that far. The little sperm with the mutant tail that he, oh, yeah. he friends. Almost almost like my little what's the dragon one with, with Jay Bear show? Oh yeah, what's it uh, uh, called? Toothless the dragon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the with the with the broken tail that yeah. he fixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's there's a couple different layers of things that they might have been referencing with that. Um I also got vibes of the uh the baby Metroid from uh uh, Metroid 2 Return of Samus mm-hmm. um, on that where uh, what should hypothetically be an enemy is is actually kind of a, a, a cuter version that helps you. Uh, in this case, he ends up not helping. Um, I also thought that when um, when Morty was going to get attacked and then they realized, oh, he's the progenitor, we, we can't kill him, felt very um, Alien 3-esque <laughs> when the, the alien is, is going to attack Ripley and realizes, oh, she has the queen, we mm-hmm. We can't we can't kill her right, right like I, right. I felt like there was a, a couple different of, of references there for that yeah yeah great show it's it it it's there's no such thing as a bad episode of Rick and Morty. They're all really yeah, good. It's yeah, just a matter of degrees. Yeah. But I really feel like that over time we'll look at this last one as a high water mark. It really is something just mm-hmm. bat crap crazy. Well, it's because I mean, again, it's it's that whole super intelligent. You don't have to say it. Yeah. Approach. Yeah. Right. You don't have to say it. Yeah. In fact, we said too much. Show don't tell. I, I also think the callbacks are going to be interesting. So the the one you guys didn't mention was the first one where they take that that sort of Star Trek like what if time runs faster in a different uh oh, yeah, a yeah, different yeah, dimension yeah. thing yeah. where morty keeps going back and they keep yeah so, yeah. so I, I dug the concept um yeah. maybe more than y'all but the thing i want to watch for is they may be able to dramatically change the um, the jessica character because she went through eons and eons of time <laughs> in a very short amount of time right so they yeah, might yeah. come back and uh and, and mention something through that yeah so so keep an eye out for that yeah that was funny i forgot about that little guy yeah that was good that was a good storyline for sure all right let's bang through our watch list because we've been going for quite a while here um i got a couple of quick hits one is love death and robot season two just came out um good episodes i mean nothing really sort of stands out as as much watches i think they're pretty all pretty all all solid in terms of um you know last season was good this season's good as well um kevin can f himself is a i i you know you may not think it's a sci-fi movie but it's got that i mentioned it earlier when i was trying to explain it to to Mark and um, and Jaime, uh, I mean, there takes place in Worcester, Massachusetts, which we have a huge argument about pronunciation of because it's Worcestershire and Worcester, or like how you pronounce that word is a big debate, right? And it's pronounced a different way. Different. Mark is convinced because he's from Massachusetts that it's Worcester. Worcester. Um, but anyway, um, Annie, uh, what's her last name? Annie. Annie Murphy. Annie Murphy from uh, Schitt's Creek is is the main character in it, and it starts out. It it starts out as as a comedy like a sitcom like with the whole laugh track and the, the goofy husband and his, his hilarious antics with his friends and she's the she's the hapless wife who as soon as she's in the scene by herself the whole tone of the show changes mm-hmm. the first time it happened i'm like what is going on here 
Um, but the whole tone of the show changes and she's now, she, you're now in her head and, and her, the, it's got, it's got a sort of WandaVision, this is reality, this is the fake universe kind of vibe to it. So that's why I'm kind of including it here as a, as a kind of a really interesting, um, sort of sci-fi kind of thing to it, right? Story to it. It's kind of Breaking Bad meets, you know, um, any sitcom you name kind of thing, right? Plus a bit of WandaVision, where is this going kind of storytelling. Yeah. So, I recommend it. I mean, have you guys seen any episodes? I haven't watched it yet. It's definitely on my to-do list. Uh, I know we've been talking about it on our Slack, and uh, and and I like Annie Murphy a lot. I actually was a latecomer to Shit's Creek. It's something that uh, my wife and I have been catching up on, and and really really loving. And her performance has been mm-hmm. uh, one of the highlights for sure. And uh, so that's definitely got on my radar for for something to, to yeah, get Jerry, into. Jerry Jerry is a good friend of my sister's and a friend of my. Who, guy went to university he directs most of the Shit's creek episodes nice yeah what do you got for us uh i got a couple things uh, so a couple trailers i dropped and one thing that actually is now uh alive i put it in here a few weeks back when i didn't know when we were going to record next uh gunpowder milkshake is uh is now available on netflix and that is uh sort of a uh an action movie, female centric. Uh, Kieran Gillen, Karen Gillen from um, from Doctor Who, famously the Matt Smith run, is the yep. star, uh, along with uh, Lena Headey from from uh, Game of Thrones. And Carla Gugino, uh, it looks really, really, you know, again, it's just, it's a shoot 'em up It's one of those movies that Jaime and I talk about the sort of, you know, grab a bag of popcorn and, and just, you know, dig in. Lots of things are going to blow up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, again, it doesn't look like it's hired. I really enjoy Karen Gillan as a performer. I think she's, she's really charming. And, uh, and it just looks like it's going to be a nice, fun sort of shoot 'em up, you know, a little bit lighter touch than a John Wick, uh, just a little more sort of, you know, uh, humorous. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely going to get into that probably this weekend. I'm looking forward to that one. Trailer was dropped for Last Night in Soho. Last Night in Soho is the uh, next movie from Edgar Wright, who I know, Tim, you were a big right, fan yeah. of. I am as well. I mean, I don't know if you're a, a Shaun of the Dead guy too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, this will be his first sort of major project since uh, Baby Driver. So... I think this could be really interesting and and you know it it stars um Thomas and McKenzie and Anna Taylor Joy as these sort of two characters um, that you know it's hard to say from the the trailer exactly what's happening. It looks like it's basically about um, this woman who is um, um, transported in time, more or less, as well as a body. So it's 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 the Thomason character transporting into the body of the Anna Taylor Joy character in the nineteen. 1960s. So she basically she lives in the now and then she's transported back in time into this other body. And then when she's there, it seems like there's sort of a murder mystery kind of thing that's happening and it sort of starts to get darker and, and it's sort of like a thriller. I'm not going to say horror, but maybe thriller kind of thing going on there. The trailer is really interesting. Like it, it looks beautiful. Again, I really like Edgar Wright as a filmmaker. Um, I really loved, I must say, I, I had seen Anna Taylor Joy, Anya Taylor Joy, rather, in uh, a few different things, um, including the M. Night Shyamalan. Um, 
movies that she was in the last couple of his movies. Uh, but I, I like so many other people, I fell in love with her with uh, with the Queen's Gambit. She was just transcendent in that, and uh, and so the, she's definitely been on my radar for what's she going to do next. So so I was in there, mm-hmm. and I'm in. Matt Smith is also in this movie, um, and and the fact that it's done by Edgar, I I think it's just going to be a win across the board. So so I have to say though, didn't wasn't Edgar Wright involved in the making of the Sparks Brother movies? Yeah, he's a director, so he there is a movie between that that you. He did a documentary on the Sparks. That's right. Yeah. Sparks. Okay. So this is the yeah. first uh, non-fiction uh, movie. <laughs> non You pedantic yeah, yeah. bastard. Um, yes, you're right. He did the Sparks Brothers movie. So um, this will be the first uh, original non-fiction. Or sorry, fiction. Original fiction film that he's done since Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, and again, he, he takes his time. He takes, you know, usually a good, you know, three or four years between his movies. So there, there's something to anticipate and something to look forward to. Um, you know, again, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim, uh, World's End, Baby Driver. I, I think anytime this guy puts out a movie, I'm going to be in for it. And, uh, and yeah, the fact that sure. he's got this hot star in it, I think is going to raise the profile of it. And I think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's he's really starting to become a, a name that you, you know, you just want to see his movies. And not only yeah, do you want to see them, but in the theater. Speak, I went and saw him speak before a movie, like a screening of Shaun of the Dead a few years ago. He had an Edgar Wright Film Festival thing going on yeah it's really cool um did you ever watch spaced oh yeah i loved spaced okay okay space was great yeah 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 Yeah. Mm. not to be missed and not to be slept on it's i think it's on amazon prime if everybody's looking for a a fun watch it's only what 10 episodes what is it is the whole series on or just the series one that's a good question i'm not sure yeah because if you if you if you you'll find out where all the characters who came all the actors who came into Shaun of the dead came from if you watch space yeah for sure um and it's not a sci-fi movie no (laughs) it's very much it's it's like uh, it's about slackers in in England. It's and like friends. It's like it, well, spaced is, spaced is, is a reference to sharing a flat kind of yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, with you know Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, of course, are the, are the two stars, along with Jessica Stevenson. It's uh, yeah, and so many of the other mm-hmm. supporting characters are there as well. But yeah, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. fourteen episodes, two seasons, so it's definitely yeah. worth a watch. Very, very funny, very, very <laughs> relatable, especially for those of us that lived through the nineties. Yeah, honey, uh, we got. I've got um, a Pixar movie, so Luca, which uh, is is included with your Disney Plus subscription, which I've written in the notes here. Uh, it feels like a mix of the little mermaid uh rama one half and a, uh, a miyazaki film so so the little mermaid i think is is a little bit more obvious because it's about fish people who who, who want to see what it's like on land and, and have dreams about that the the rama one half so this is a an anime and manga series from like the 80s where the premise was that uh the the main character would would switch from a boy to a girl when when dunked in water uh cold water mm. uh, cold water or hot water i forget which direction it goes but it's kind of like this where being in the water they're the monster the sea monsters and when they come out of the water they're they're human so that aspect and it feels like a miyazaki film because this this movie is is pretty low-key it um it doesn't have uh like huge stakes it feels like a very comfortable sort of quieter um sort of movie so it feels more like a like a my neighbor totoro or um maybe even like spirited away that that's kind of more experiential than it is like we got to go punch this thing right so it's a very different i recommend uh, folks take a look at that cool, cool. 
And I also finished up uh, Mythic Quest Season 2, uh, which I wrote in question marks here. Is is this the series finale or is this just a season finale? Uh, I don't know. I think I could be satisfied either way uh, for another season. Or if this is the send off, I'd, I'd be OK with that, too. Yeah, I got to say that the author one was probably the best episode of the whole series. The one about the, the the head writer guy. Yeah, C.W. Longbottom. That was time. that was this season's equivalent of last season's segue into the past, where they they showed the the other video game company, the couple, the married couple. Mm. That, that mm-hmm. ties into it, it's so weird because they they do that right where they they segue into this other story and like what does it have to do? It's like oh, it it ties into um, maybe some of the main plot lines or part part of the theme for the season. Mm-hmm. So I haven't watched Mythic Quest yet, and I know a few people who have have ag- advocated for it so what's the elevator pitch why why should i watch mythic quest if you like silicon valley and or um uh, it's always sunny in philadelphia i think you'll 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 like this as well because it's it's about being in the office in this case in a, a tech company that's a game company but it's got that it's always sunny in philadelphia kind of uh approach to it just just a little bit less cynical yeah, in general yeah yeah some of the characters are really good in it like going the, the indian guy from um communities in mm. it he's he's got a really good character and there's like yeah it's 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 sort of an office story um but it's again it's it's about this really successful video game that they've that they've made and you know the the trials and tribulations between the the owner creator who calls him whose name is ian but he calls himself ian um and the head writer kind of thing and then there's all either character you know the sorry the the head engineer i should say um she's got the team in the basement and if you're know anything about how games are created created it's sort of it's got a bit of a vibe like um uh, what was that uh, like halt and catch fire in a sense right um but it's it's kind of it's interesting it, it, it is a bit tiring at some points but um yeah it's generally it's it's you know it's one of the better shows on apple tv um but you know it's not not you know ted lasso for sure but uh, but it's mm-hmm. definitely pretty mm-hmm. good yeah and and like there's a there's this you know the, the episode where ben cisco gets um thrown into a universe where he's a writer mm-hmm. yeah it's the the episode where they they go back in time and uh the head writer is is what's his name again i mean uh cw longbottom no i mean but the actual actor oh um abrams right if marie abram uh, no if marie abram if marie abram yeah he plays the, he plays the head writer and he's it's funny because you know it, it, it was also filmed during i mean the first season was not filmed during covid but the second season was and and in fact they even do a covid episode where they're all working from home um and i wonder because for the first like you know uh, of this second season for the first five episodes he only appeared in a on a computer monitor so i kind of wonder if he didn't want to come and uh, we have to go back and read through the imdb notes when they get published but it, it's almost like he didn't want to be in the studio with the young actors kind of thing right um but anyway they have this one ep- they have this one story arc where he they go back into his life as uh, a science fiction writer you know and how he writes this great novel and has a romance with a couple of there's a couple of other writers that have that they have a sort of triangle with and, and it's, it's a really good story like uh, that by itself could be a whole episode mm. right? and and the guy who plays big head on um silicon valley plays him as a young man mm. right yeah it's really good right. definitely worth a watch i mean it's you know it's kind of like parts of it are like a car accident you, you just got to watch it to see what happens 
Well, that's what Silicon Valley and and, and uh, always sunny are like too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, because it's it's the the creator is the same dude. I think the same one of the creators of of always sunny or one of the actors from it, anyway, right? Yeah. And then John, you got one more thing to close us out. Yeah, yeah and I, I of course I think we're all on board for this one as our as our number one watch list item, which is Star Trek Lower Decks season two. The release date is August twelfth, twenty twenty one. So we're a scant uh, few weeks away from the return of star trek to our lives and uh and yep. given that we know that prodigy is coming and discovery is coming and picard is coming uh, i think uh, i think we're gonna have lots of trek to talk about in the next little while so uh they did put up a little trailer it's really it's just a little teaser it's like 20 seconds of uh of uh you know an episode doesn't really tell you much other than to sort of get your wet your whistle a little bit and to promote the date but uh but yeah i'm excited i'm excited that we're finally going to get more trek and i really enjoyed that first season i'm curious to see where they take those characters particularly because we did kind of end on a little little not necessarily a cliffhanger but Mm. but a twist yep yep i think we predicted where that was going to go though right (laughs) he's going to get fired really fast yeah yeah (laughs) all righty anyway that uh wraps up another episode of spock cast so hey jaime if people want to get in touch with you where they find you i'm on twitter as at dev of the hair and jonathan people get in touch with you i'm on twitter and instagram as at jpk news and your other podcast uh well and if you really like healthcare, <laughs> you can listen to the canadian health information podcast or the chip or wherever you get your podcasts i highly recommend it uh i'm i'm a producer on the show and uh very very proud to do that as part of my day job all right and my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a um i also do a little podcast called more than just code with jaime lopez jr and mark rubin and i do another one with tammy called hero's journey where we just we talk to authors of the pragmatic publishers and i may be starting another podcast on my own hmm, oh, soon teaser. Hmm. yes teaser put that out there anyway um yeah so we'll till next time we'll see you in the future bye bye no, i think i forgot to say i'm timitron t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine did i say that perhaps not you were, you were busy listing think... off your podcast bona fides right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. might as well say it now so you can loop it in yeah well i, I just said it so <laughs> bye <laughs> it's gonna sound so different it's gonna be like and i'm people know when to skip ahead like and, and avoid the whole spiel about you know supporting us and writing reviews and all that kind of stuff they just if 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 i do everything the same every single time like i've i've heard people who listen to our show on a regular basis and thank you for listening to our show on a regular basis they skip past the parts when they start to hear me go into the end and now you know kind of roll right yeah they just jump right yeah, to the after roll. show yeah which is what this is i haven't said goodbye i haven't I'm, now the music is gonna go there's, there's music You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
welcome or are we in the before to show the after show is it the after show or the before show i don't know it's kind of like timey wine never know, you know what we'll do here right. so jaime how excited are you for the uh expansion draft for the seattle kraken are you are you Ooh. looking up all the the players you're you're investing have you got a jersey you- ordered yet I, I haven't uh, done either of those things because I don't know enough about hockey. I mean, I'll be excited when I see what the analysts say because I, I sort of need a, I need you know people who know what well, they're talking about. You didn't watch about. the playoffs. I oh. saw what? What did I see? I did see Stanley Cub. What game was it? Boy, it might have been Game Three, but I'm not sure. Can no, we, we know it was Game Four because they were down three nothing, weren't they? Can we talk about the fact just, that that they're going to be playing their home games at something called Climate Pledge? arena it's it's a it's a it's a goofy one that's That's a goofy one that's that's a new one it's not quite the smoothie king center in new orleans but it's pretty up there oh look at that black widow's playing tonight and it's already sold out (sighs) at 12 30 madness no 12 30 p.m what oh it's starting tomorrow afternoon yeah sorry i just i I just i just happened to see an an email from cineplex and thinking you know do we want to go see quiet 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 place two in theater that's already Mm. on amazon prime is it yeah i looked the other day i was like quiet place two yeah Oh, yeah, I looked okay. the other day because I, I, I saw a commercial for Quiet Place 2 and I was like, oh, Quiet Place 2, okay, well, mm, that'll probably yeah. be a few more months before it comes out onto some streaming service. And then I looked on Amazon Prime and it's available now. I was like, great. Yeah, there's like one less thing like to do in the theater. I see at Cineplex. Uh, yeah. So for us, it looks like the options on Amazon are buy for $19.99 or watch with your Paramount Plus seven day free trial, which I guess since I'm not logged in, they don't know that that wouldn't apply to me. But is it is it just straight up part of Prime for y'all? Let me just it's click a, on it. It says, it literally just says rental. play movie. So the reason I wanted to oh, check included this out is with Prime. Looking at the, it says right here, included with Prime. Oh, there you go. Tip, tip your hat to the folks who did the the rights negotiations in canada yeah i'm just looking at the cineplex at young and dundas and i just wanted to see for for instance like what are they doing for like 12 30 show in the vip which is like the one where you get to sit next to your your like you have the sort of couple seats right they're selling one set of seats per row oh that's very sporadic yeah that's well it's it's like like, you know there's like two people sitting and then there's like four empty seats beside them yeah and then the next row it's the people on the on the on the aisle and then five empty seats and then huh. the next row E, it's like two two seats. Well, I know there was a huge issue with them. Like they they were very frustrated with the government rules, the provincial government rules about um, yeah. capacity because they're only allowed a certain amount. Of, it's not capacity per theater; it's capacity per building. And so yeah. for them, they they're really quite limited. I think it's only like twenty five percent or something like that, or twenty percent capacity. So yeah, so I'm looking at one of the larger theaters, like the the a- APX or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So it's like two. Two seats and then four empty seats and then two seats and then four empty seats yeah. per row and then th- that way that way there's like uh so the people in the front row row in front of you are sitting across from the four empty seats right yeah, yeah. So, you're, so they're getting their six foot distance whatever although i argue this is not six feet <laughs> you know well i mean you're on an angle too which i'm is gonna pretty- take my hockey stick to, to the <laughs> theater when i go <laughs> that's the most canadian thing i've ever heard yeah mm-hmm. so looping back to the sure. to the crack and jaime 
it's it's the 21st is the day that that it all happens uh july 21st is when they do the expansion draft where they get to pick the players from the other teams do they get the first pick the kraken they do not have the first pick in the in the draft i think they ended up with either the second or the third i can't remember how that ended up shaking i think it was the second i think think you're right i think it's the second it's surprising is there like a Sidney crosby wayne gretzky kind of guy no although they could end up with owen power which is funny why? Because well, you mentioned Owen Power earlier, didn't you? Right, Owen North. Oh, Owen North. Okay. Uh, Owen Power Correct. is, is the top-ranked prospect unique, right? in the... Um in the draft. No, Owen North is a friend of mine. Was it Owen North not a hockey player? Oh, Nolan. Nolan, Nolan was a hockey player. Nolan, okay. No, I, I know a guy named Owen North. That's where that name came from. Okay. But it's been an anyway. interesting week for, for those of us who are also hockey fans. The um, A lot of teams are basically trying to figure out who they're going to protect and who they're going to leave open for the Kraken to pick. And there's some right. players who have large contracts that they're taking a gamble on that the Kraken may or may not want or that the Kraken may pick but then flip to another team or something so uh yeah today it was uh shea weber i think they're not going to protect him from mm. from montreal who's playing in the stanley cup finals a couple weeks ago and uh hey. ben bishop the lead the start starting goalie for the um dallas stars is going to be available and i was like oh, you know what i'm curious to see what kind of team the kraken are going to put together this could actually be a pretty competitive team depending on who they pick yeah but so coming back to the playoffs for a minute like my concern about the way they played the season this year was how many times did the Montreal Canadiens get to play against the Tampa Bay Lightning in this regular season? None. Zero. Yeah. Right? So the whole, you know, Canadian League or whatever they called it and the whole American the League. Scotia North. Is that what they called yeah, it? Yeah, they all had brand sponsors. So it was like the North, so, the East, the West, yeah. and the Central or something. So the West like would be, but like we didn't cross the border, right? So, nope. So none of the Canadian teams got to play any of the American teams. So we, so we had no idea how the Canadians or any Canadian team compared to the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, who walked away poorly, with the series. Poorly, I think, is the huh? answer. All the teams played poorly against Tampa. But, I mean, Tampa was a powerhouse. Again, they had one of the best players in the league, Nikita Kucherov, was... Yeah. Oh, the goalie. No, 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 no. The, uh, the, their, oh. their number one forward. He missed mm. the entire season because he had to have surgery. And okay. so, basically, they they put him on, on injured reserve. They got to spend mm-hmm. the money on other players, but the, the cap doesn't apply during the playoffs, so they brought him back for the playoffs. So, they... Oh. Okay. People were complaining about this. Essentially, if they had had that, like, they were like $15 million over the salary cap. If there had been a salary cap, they wouldn't have been able to ice that team. So essentially, they were playing mm. like the Tampa Bay All-Stars. So no team was going to be Tampa Bay. If I'd known Kucherov was going to be coming back, I'd have put like every penny I had on them to win the Stanley Cup. I wasn't just mm-hmm. wasn't sure if he was going to come back and be healthy, but he came back like a monster and they just destroyed mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But if, of course they did. They're essentially icing, you know, two extra all-stars per game. Right. Yeah, there was there was no like due respect. And, you know, again, I, I with a deep seething passion, hate the Montreal Canadiens because that's how I was raised. But <laughs> I respect the fact that they had this great run but there was no world in which they were going to beat the tampa lightning there's just no way right right hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens next year because tampa won't be able to ice that team again like they're gonna have Why? to make some tough decisions oh because oh, they're over right. the cap by like 15 million bucks 
Oh, I see. Right, right. So is that a, a soft cap or hard cap? It's a hard cap. Like you literally, can't, oh. you have to forfeit a game if you're over the cap. Oh, interesting. So it's an NFL style hard cap. Okay. It is okay, a, got a it, got rock it. hard cap. And it's been a tough couple of years for hockey given the pandemic and the lack of, of income and everything else. So it's, it's a pretty flat cap right now too. So, you know, hmm. if you have these players under big contracts, you know, you have to be creative on how you're going to get, you know, I, I think it was Vegas early this year was so close to the cap that for some games, they only dressed 16 guys. You can dress 23, but they, they actually like had to send guys to the, uh, on paper, I send guys to the minors or like basically not, not dress them and only had like just enough players to actually play the game. Naked players? Wow. Because they couldn't, they would have been in circumvention of the cap if they, if they played enough players. Like that's how tough things have been as far as trying to like stay you know, okay on the okay side of this stuff. So yeah, it's 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 mm-hmm. an interesting um it's gonna be an interesting couple of years for hockey as the hopefully the revenue starts to ramp back up and it doesn't hurt that they just collected a very large paycheck from from some people in Seattle. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out. Crazy. But again, I think I think looking at who they have available to pick up and either pick up and keep or pick up and trade, I think uh I think Seattle could be good really quickly. I don't think they're gonna necessarily do what Vegas did and like become instant, you know, Stanley Cup contenders in the west but i think they could be really competitive really fast i'm trying to so i'm learning here and i'm like okay so the kraken are supposed to go into the pacific division yep does somebody get moved out no so the way that they had done it because they had already um expanded to add vegas there was actually two less teams in the west than there were in the east just because of geography and so when vegas moved in there they moved into the one division and they moved uh, they're moving seattle into the uh pacific as well and that way it'll even out so there'll be an even 16 teams in the east 16 teams in the west but it seems like and maybe i'm looking at the wrong wikipedia page it seems like the pacific division would end up being two teams bigger than the central uh so are you looking at this season's uh, no it's just showing me seasons i looked up you know how many games are there in hockey because i was like oh that's kind of weird that they didn't play every team like oh there's 82 games in a season and only you know gonna be 32 teams now right so you're right it is it's arizona is actually moving to the central division to so that seattle can be accommodated in the pacific that's that okay. was the move okay I, I was wondering if if somebody was gonna move to yeah to because even it out. arizona was in the pacific but they were kind of an outlier because they were pretty far removed from from the pacific stuff so now they're going to be in the same group with dallas and um and uh nashville and minnesota and st louis chicago yeah there's not really a good like i look geographically as all right obviously anaheim los angeles san jose vancouver seattle clearly are pacific you can argue vegas given how far in they are you can argue arizona and calgary and edmonton i had no idea where they were but i looked at like oh they're basically arizona and vegas so there there was no good way to yeah to sort that yeah i mean colorado and um and arizona were kind of the sort of outliers although vegas definitely closed the gap a little bit but they were sort of they were the ones in middle america that were like removed from all local uh rivalries if you will yeah yeah because you can sort of draw a line you go like okay winnipeg down to uh minnesota down to chicago down to st louis down to nashville you know some of these make sense sort of regionally um but of course the east coast stuff it's just clustered right although you know again the the tampa bay and uh and florida being sort of way down there especially since they removed atlanta and moved atlanta to uh to winnipeg it's a little a little confusing but yeah you're screwed basically if you're if you're in the central or the west you're 
you're screwed because you have to spend half your time on a plane. Right. There's a reason right. why a lot of players prefer, if they can, uh, to play their careers on the East Coast, just because if you're playing, for example, for the New York Rangers, you know, a bunch of your games are playing against New Jersey, Long Island, Philadelphia, Washington, Boston. You, you know, you're on a plane for like, you know, half an hour going to some of these places or you literally hop on a bus and go to them. Whereas if you're in, uh, you know, Las Vegas or, or Colorado, you have to basically get on a plane to go long distances to get to any other team. And you so you spend a lot more time yeah. on the road. You spend a lot more time, you know, out of your comfort zone. Yeah, it's 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 tough geography. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm like, there is quite the spread from Colorado over yeah. to Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's quite a lot, as opposed to... I have no idea why there are three New York teams. I'm just going to call the New Jersey Devils another New York team, because... Oh, they are. They are ostensibly like, are. They're playing yeah. in Newark. I mean, come on. It's right across the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and oh. then again, yeah, like, look at that. If you look at that group, you're like, it, with the exception of those two teams in Florida, like, yeah, you could you could do a road trip and see all those games in consecutive, you know, very short order. Even in even the, the North Division, again, it's, you know, it's Columbus, Detroit, Buffalo, Toronto... Ottawa, Montreal, and um, and Boston, right? So, like, they're all, like, right there. Yeah, wow. wow. Yeah, I mean, a road trip for, for the Leafs to play in Buffalo is, like, like an hour and 20-minute bus ride. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the geography here. Okay, Montreal and Ottawa. Got it, got it. Yeah, it'll, 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 little, start, to, it'll awkward, start to but... get more into your memory as you as you as you start getting immersed as a Kraken fan. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny how the way these things have to be organized. And it's funny because the the NHL kind of teased uh, the city of Quebec City. Uh, when they were going through this expansion process, sort of saying, well, you know, you guys don't have a really good rink to play in. And so they built this beautiful new arena in Quebec City in the hope of bringing back a Nordiques team. And if you looked at the geography, you were like, well, it doesn't make any sense to add a team to Quebec City where they need to add teams as the West. And of course, the next two expansion teams went to Vegas and Seattle. And so now there's this beautiful, modern, empty arena in Quebec City just waiting for an American American team to fall. I don't know a lot about the uh, the Rangers versus Islanders. I don't know if that's a um, Yankees versus Mets sort of thing, but I I would say coming in as a complete newbie and 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 blaspheming left and right, I'd be like, I don't think you need the Islanders. I think they should go to Quebec City. Yeah, and that was actually there was a thought for a while that that could happen because the Islanders were playing in a dump in Unionville, New York, way out on the island, and um, the building was decrepit and it was just not up to stand. So they moved them to Brooklyn to play where the Nets play, but that the fans didn't follow them. Nobody from the island wanted to, from like deep in Long Island, wanted to go to Brooklyn to watch games, and they didn't really grow a new crowd there. So they moved back to that same dump in Unionville, and now they're building them a new arena there. So I think they're staying put. Um, they actually have a pretty hardcore, loyal hockey crowd in in Long Island. Like the crowds are, are I don't know if you caught any of the playoff run, but when the Islanders made it into the second round, and they were. Um, or the third round, I guess they they played um, into the into the semifinals and and the crowds were great. Like they are pretty rabid, pretty rabid fans out there. But you're right. I mean, some of them it doesn't make a, a lot of sense. I mean, you can make the same case for you know Anaheim versus Los Angeles. Some of these ones that are bunched up, but that's the Gretzky effect, right? Wayne Gretzky goes to Los Angeles in 1988 and is so popular and popularizes hockey in 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 that area that they end up with you know all these expansion teams. You end up with you know San Jose. You end up with Anaheim. You end up with, you know, the sort of 
uh, Minnesota moves to Dallas and becomes the Stars, and you end up with this whole Gretzky effect that spreads across there. You end up with the the Phoenix Coyotes expansion club, but it's the now Arizona Coyotes. So yeah, it, it you know some of these you don't think they'll make a lot of sense, but but you know I mean without. Gretzky going there, you don't end up with the Arizona Coyotes. Without the Arizona Coyotes, you don't get Austin Matthews, who grows up as a hockey fan in in Phoenix, Arizona, of all places, and now is the like best goal scorer in the league. So it's yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. Well, Gretzky had that whole Hollywood vibe going too. Like he had that whole you know married a you know yeah married an actress and actress. Yeah. and had all the celebrities coming out to games and yeah he just really grew yeah, the cachet like, of the he game. Had, like you know uh, what's the the Chicago Bull dude um, Jordan. Jordan, he came to his games and he hung out, you know, he hung out with some pretty, pretty, I mean, he was top of the game. I mean, he really did put hockey on the map for sure. Yeah. I mean, as, as huge as he yeah. was here in Canada, he really did bring it up a notch in the States. And, and, yeah. you know, when, when I started watching hockey in, you know, the, the late seventies, early eighties, when I was a little kid, there was 21 mm-hmm. teams in the league. There'll be 32 yeah. now with, with Seattle joining, um, you know, and it, it really has grown the popularity, you know, to a point it's not just a regional sport anymore. Anymore. It can really thrive in a lot of places you wouldn't think, like you know, Florida, the Midwest, uh, you know, uh, places like Arizona and, and Anaheim, and you know, all over the place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys ever saw the, um, I think it was the early '90s cartoon of um, Pro Stars, Pro Stars, which, which yeah. had Michael Jordan representing yeah. basketball, Bo Jackson representing uh, baseball, and you can say spiritually football, football yeah. and Gretzky, <laughs> of course, was representing hockey. Yeah, but did they solve crimes and murders? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't solve murders, from what I recall, and I have not seen this since the nineties. I they did solve crimes in a they were like a like a James Bond esque secret agent sort of really uh, secret agents with these incredibly well known people, right? Like here's Michael Jordan. Were, were they like were they uh, were they voiced by the actual people? Or I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't think I don't so. Know. I think they found no. you know people who kind of like sounded like did they have like a they go around with like, with snacks and stuff and. There was a cereal. Sidekick dog. There was a cereal. <laughs> I remember eating Pro yeah. Star cereal that had Wayne Gretzky yeah. on the box with his with his yeah. blonde mullet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So they had the James Bond as gadgets where their various sporting goods would be like grappling hooks or um, you know flotation balloons or something. You know. Yeah. That's sort of going thing. into YouTube right now and looking up. Oh, it's um, there. Pro Stars. Yeah. Pro Fighting crime, stars. helping children, and protecting oh, the environment. Because that's what I think cartoon. of. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely of that era from uh, like Captain Planet sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It only was only thirteen episodes Jordan, total. Gretzky, who's the, oh the Bo Jackson, uh, yeah. Bo Jackson, yeah, Bo Jackson, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did not do their own voices. Sorry, yeah. Wayne Gretzky, voiced by Townsend Coleman. He typically plays the role of comic relief. Inexplicably, his mind is always on food. Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. Michael Jordan is the leader of the troop. Exceptionally smart and talented with complicated contraptions. He's like the MacGyver of... Uh, he encourages yeah. children to study mathematics and the sciences. Well, again, why wouldn't you think that? Right. Bo Jackson provides the proverbial muscle for the heroes. He's immensely strong and has a bit of a mean streak. His strength often approaches superhuman levels, such as in the series opening when he uses a gigantic tree trunk like a club against a logging robot. Wow. Yeah, it, I guess with Gretzky, they went with the... Um... Like the Shaggy and Scooby model for eating, because you look at the character designs and like, which of these guys eats a lot? I'm like the guy who literally weighs twice as much as everybody else. Like that dude's gonna have to consume like five thousand calories to maintain that muscle. Hmm. Yeah, it was a bit of a bonkers wow. uh, premise for a show. 
Well, speaking of that, I guess it's bonk. Speaking of bonkers, mm. I get I gotta head off to Lullaby Land. Yep, I guess we gotta do right. that. Oh, there's the Pro Star cereal from 1984. Oh yeah, Gretzky on the cover. Gretzky and yeah. his King's jersey with the flow going. Free Nintendo. Yep. Inside the box, I'm sure it was not probably a patch or something like that for your jeans. All right, folks. All right, take it easy, guys. Talk to you anon. Stay safe. Bye. 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 See ya. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.